0: thing weirdos, Val was cleaning up and uh, I said are you going to be cleaning up for a while because I want to record the intro and then what did you you said
1: I said I'll stop for I mean how long is it going to be like 12 minutes are you you kidding me we did the exact same thing
0: (laughs) what what else could we have done Burn. Okay. <laughs> we'll edit that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, this is Colin Hay. You were there for this, right? Yeah. It was great, right? He's
1: amazing. He's so
0: amazing. I know Colin. I found him, you know, sort of... I don't know if, if I should, I guess I'm not the coolest guy in town. <laughs> but I found him <laughs> don't from... not say that. From... <laughs> from uh what's it called Garden State
1: yeah everybody knows him from Garden State or Scrubs
0: yeah I know we talk a little bit about that yeah how you can break in music without Garden State or Scrubs and we're not sure Essentially if you can
1: without Zach Braff discovering you yeah
0: I think he said yes to this because he thinks I am Zach Braff <laughs> <laughs> do I look do I look and like Zach Braff for that to be funny that's what I think I look like but I'm really an ogre that's why, what? that's why that's not that funny. Like, I'm, I throw boulders at Zach Braff's car <laughs> and, like, eat his bones. No. But that's what I think I look like.
1: No. I mean, Zach Braff is wonderful, but and I— And a dreamboat. No, I think that you are way more of a dreamboat.
0: Well, for... that's, very, that's very sweet. Remember, we were at the Greek once, and he was a couple rows behind us.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So we have, we have confirmation. It's, not, not, it's not CGI.
1: Yeah, he really exists. And I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, he's much more talented
0: than you. Oh, M.G., you're fun. But you have got
1: the looks.
0: You've got the looks. Well, this is, So I found him from there, got really into his music. Um, he, obviously, he had a career before that with Men at, men at Work, uh, which some people may be familiar with. And then he has his whole other second career as a a solo artist, which is how I know him. Mm -hmm. And we talk all about that. But we did something new, which was we did a live You Made It Weird, but with one guest. Because when you have five, you just don't really get as deep as uh, you do with just one. So we tried something new at Largo. And thank you to everybody that came out. And I think it came out really, really well. So I hope people enjoy it. Me too. (laughs) Hey. Hey. Um, You can get my book, which is called Comedy Sex God now. (laughs) <laughs> you can go and get it now, you have permission <laughs> If you were waiting Oh, now I can go <laughs> I'm also going to be uh, So we'll be able, most likely Largo On July 18th I'm going to be in Montreal for the Just for Laughs Festival Also doing a live podcast there For our Canadian weirdos I'll be there July 24th through 28th You can look up the Just for Laughs Festival for specifics And then I'll be at Largo again On August 29th Those Largo My, shares what? That's not your birthday
1: no, that's my mom's birthday and my parents anniversary
0: that's kind of a dick move on your dad's part or whoever whoever picked the date
1: my mom says it's because she already had the time off
0: wow did they have their wedding was it, it was- catered by kirkland <laughs> we've been watching baskets <laughs> so now i think kirkland is the funniest thing in the world it is um, well, that's happy birthday and anniversary to your mom and your and your parents. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the Pete's Picks Val, you know this. I'm super excited that we have a new Pete Pick. As you guys know, I don't do traditional ads. I only endorse things that I actually use and love every day, and this is one that you love as well. Yep. This is the Clearlight Sauna by Jacuzzi. It's a Jacuzzi sauna. The model is is the Clearlight model. Um, I don't know how many times we talked about it on the show. But it's absolutely, it's, it's a personal sauna. You can get one that's like the size of a phone booth. I have one that's the size of like three phone booths because I'm tall and I like to lie down in it. But it's straight up the highlight of my day. I use it absolutely every single day. It's wonderful heart-elevating uh, exercise that is sedentary. You're just sitting there in a sauna, but you're getting that heart workout that I'm looking for. It's become like a personal sanctuary for me. It smells amazing. It feels amazing. It's got Bluetooth in there. So I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to audiobooks, or I'm putting the iPad up on the window and watching movies while you're burning 300 to 800 calories every 30 minutes. It's incredible. You just watch movies while you're burning calories.
1: And it has light therapy.
0: You can get the chromotherapy option, which I'm into. Very cool. I went down a chromotherapy hole and was looking up, there are certain lights that are bad for you too, that they Mm -hmm. shine on rats and they give them all these fucked up things. And then there's certain light frequencies that are good for you. And that's one of the options you can get. Val and I used to drive to a place in Hollywood to use these um, but we started just going every day. Yeah. And then we realized that the thirty minute drive back from the place was stressing us out again. <laughs> so this is like having the spa in your house. Um, it's a low emf electromagnetic frequency thing so it's not bad for you i even doubted that because they claim that it's low and i bought an emf detector to test the claim before i even used it and it's completely what they say isn't that weird it is weird that you did that Yes, (laughs) (laughs) i just was like sure they're gonna say that but it's true it's completely true it's totally safe Uh, it's wonderful for detoxification you sweat out heavy metals alcohol nicotine anything that's built up in your system it's like a massage too it heats up your muscles and gets knots out and get you moving again weight loss and calorie burning as we mentioned it's also an immune system boost if you feel a cold or a flu coming it's basically an artificial fever you heat up your body and kill anything that's on the way and you get 400 to 600 dollars off just by mentioning this podcast just go to jacuzzi saunas j-a-c-u-z-z-i saunas.com i'm not spelling saunas for you S-A-U-N-A-S. If you don't
1: know
0: how to spell it, you don't get to have it. <laughs> <laughs> com. I'm so, so stoked that they're in there because that is... Sometimes I do it in the morning and sometimes I do it at night. What's the promo sometimes I do, code? There's no promo code. You just mention it. That's all you got to do. You mention how it. How do
1: you mention it online?
0: There's got to be like a comment box or maybe you can call. You can go to the website and then when you place the order, you call and mention I it. That's a good. So. That's a good question, though.
1: <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's
0: why you're here. What we at, at? at the Pete's Picks like a like a mother hen? We're only at seven minutes. This is fine. Charlotte's Web, the original Pete's Pick, hemp oil.
1: Oh, get it. Get into into it, <laughs>
0: It's so good. No, for real, you love it too. It's it's CBD which they use science to remove from the hemp plant. They remove the THC. They leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. The first time I, I used pot, used pot, I was like, boy, I wish there was something like this that didn't get you intoxicated, basically, that there would be something that would give you that sort of healthy feeling, that glow feeling, without the intoxicating stoned out of it And that's basically what CBD is. It doesn't get you stoned. It doesn't get you high. It just gives you a... I don't know, it helps my shoulders lower, helps me smile.
1: It gives you a joie de vivre.
0: A joie de vivre. It just helps me, especially when I'm super, super stressed or if I'm uh, working too much. It doesn't keep me from working or reading or studying or having a conversation or anything like that. It just helps me do those things more efficiently with a little bit less uh, severity, internal severity. (laughs) (laughs) So it gives me a healthy, happy glow. The best thing to do if you're even curious is to try it. Uh, it ships legally to all fifty states, um, and it 's the only hemp grown by it 's by the Stanley Brothers in Denver for human consumption. I get the original formula I get the mint chocolate flavor it tastes like a thin mint makes you feel even better than a thin mint. And uh, it's a little bit more expensive, but you can literally just use a few drops. They also have bombs, which get you uh, hemp on you topically, which is wonderful. So go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code Keep Crispy 19 and you'll get 10% off. Finally, and I just had this for breakfast.
1: Kachala, kachala, <laughs> kachala.
0: Kachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix with ingredients born in the jungle with uh, stuff in there. Stuff. Revered by tribal cultures for centuries. It's 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s. What?
1: Tribal stuff.
0: (laughs) Valerie, you're making the intro longer. I'm sorry. But better. (laughs) 100% <laughs> 100% plant-based omega-3s from chia and flax. Everybody's talking about how to get omega-3s. You can get fish oil, but I prefer a plant uh, plant whey, which is chia and flax. Eight superfruits, 17 greens and veggies, gluten-free, soy-free, no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. It's got just enough coconut nectar in there to be delicious, which is a low glycemic sweetener. It also has coconut milk in there, powdered coconut milk, which means all you have to do is add water, and it's instantly creamy and chocolatey and delicious. And it's got 24 grams of plant-based protein and nine grams of fiber. It's actually delicious. Val will actually eat it. You don't like all the other weird things that I eat in this house?
1: Yep, I I love that point that you make because it's kind of like, even Val, Even the dog will eat it. (laughs) Uh, you know, that is a garbage eater, and even she'll eat
0: it. But it helps, because everybody knows that I'm a weirdo. Yeah. I mean, I, I started my day with a shot of coconut kefir. Not everybody's going to be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but true. you're you're a better example. I'll, I'll put some frozen strawberries and some almond milk and some cachava in a blender and make cachava ice cream. It's Can unbelievable. tell
1: me it's ice cream.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you it's cachava ice cream, and it makes you feel amazing. It's got... Macaroon in there for energy. It's got cacao in there, and uh, it's basically a meal and a pill. It's unbelievable. Give it a try. Show your support of, your, of this podcast by getting any of these pizza picks. You get twenty percent off. Kachava. Go to c k a c h a v a kachava. dot com slash weird. Or try some Charlotte's Web. Or just do it. Get a sauna. Why aren't you listening to this in the sauna right now?
1: No, you're fucking up.
0: Uh, Go to Largo July 18th or August 29th And I'll see you guys in Montreal At the end of July In the meantime, enjoy the wonderful Colin Hay And uh, You want to say it?
1: Get into it
0: You get into it
1: 11.38
0: Wow, you were very close I know Hi everybody What's happening? Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much. Well done. You're trying to keep it going. There's one guy trying to... What if it never ended? That felt really nice. What a lovely crowd you are. I'm not just... I am seeing other audiences, but that was really... It was really beautiful. Thank you. And you faded it out really well. How did you do that on the fly? You figured it out. One of you stopped first. And then someone was like, okay, I'll... And it was like a game of telephone, but with not clapping. And I know who stopped last. It was you. What is your name? Christopher. You're on the podcast! Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from, Christopher? Uh, on the podcast! Van Nuys is that the valley? I don't know any... I've lived in L.A. for (laughs) ten years. Ten years! And I can't tell you, people are like, you know, it's on uh, cold water, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I have no idea what they're talking about. If they don't give a landmark, and one of the landmarks is my house, I don't know what they're talking about. Or the airport. It's either near the airport or near my home. And I would have no idea otherwise. Good to be here. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what do you do in Van Nuys? Uh, music. music? OMG, are you excited for Con Hay? Very, very much. Come on! I hope so. Don't tell me. I'm just kidding. We were talking about that backstage, waiting for my real life to begin. Great song. Great song. You have a phone strapped to your wrist. <laughs> Yep. You know what's funny about it is you don't have to lift it up for everyone to see. We They can see it in the back. They can see that. What is going on there? It, it wasn't imposing in your life enough without being a Geordie LaForge style appendage. It needed to be integrated into your. You're the guy that's going to get the chip first. It, it, right in the forehead? You just like having your phone right there? I, I like it not in my hand, but near my hand, and most importantly, I like it not near my head. Oh, you, wanna, you don't want to get ball cancer. You want to get wrist cancer. <laughs> <laughs> cancer of the wrist. It is weird that we keep it snug up by our nards and our pusses, isn't it? <laughs> just a microwave, we're all fucked they're gonna, <laughs> they are gonna make a madman about our time and it's just gonna be children going, ring-a-ding-ding and it's like, oh my god like how did we ever do that but I feel like, are you with him and do you, how do you feel about does he have an iPad on his ass, like what's going on like that is like the, that's like the beta Apple watch <laughs> It should have a fob. It should have a fob, and you'd be like, what time is it? The train comes in, and... and..." You don't feel that that takes away from your... Maybe it doesn't. I don't want to project. What I'm doing is I'm projecting onto you that my phone takes me out of life. Your phone is taking me out of my life. (laughs) Like, I would be... If I was at a meal with you, and I saw that someone liked one of your Instagrams, I'd be so mad at you. Cause that, is, like, our phones feel so important and vital when we're looking at them. You know, when you're on your Instagram, you're like, "This is real." You know what I mean? You're like, "Oh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> what a privilege that I got to see that. I'm alive, and I'm going to like it." But have you ever been seated like you are now, waiting for a show to start, like you were now, and looking at someone else scrolling through their Instagram? Instantly, I'm like, look at this fucking sad piece of shit. Look at this depraved, pathetic loser. Oh, did you really like that? You, or, or if you listen to someone watching Instagram stories in a waiting room, you're like, kill yourself. Kill yourself tonight. Is it on Do Not Disturb? Okay, I like your style now. Now, I I like your style already. I forgot your name though. It was tense when you said it. You guys are. It's Chris. I I didn't know you brought your legal counsel. It's Chris, and he doesn't have to answer any more wrist phone questions. So you don't like. Tell me everything. When did it start? dude I was gonna say it looked like the fucking wizard the power glove but I didn't think it would work and it didn't cause none of you are 40 or nerds that are 40 you remember the movie The Wizard yeah where were you when I made that sweet ref uh, so you want to look like you're wearing a power glove <laughs> is it to give comedians an easier time You're like, I want to be made fun of, but I don't want them to have to work for it. Give me the Power Glove. But Let's walk me through this, Chris, because it was, was it because when the Power Glove came out, we all thought it was going to be awesome and it was nothing. Thank you. And then you were like, fuck it, it's 2019. What would it be now? And you said it would be a phone on a medical device. (laughs) Some sort of corrective wrist medical device. And you made it yourself? No. Oh, you bought it on Amazon. Okay. Is it a well-reviewed item? (laughs) Four to five? What are the criticisms? (laughs) Be honest. Is anyone thinking of buying one? (laughs) Clap once if, like, all kidding aside, you were kind of like, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Okay. Yeah, there's somebody for everyone And it's not you, it's them It's them, it is not your girlfriend It is whoever clapped That's who you should fucking be with Having a detached conversation I'm teasing Did, have you? What is your name? Rachel um, And have you ever, ever intervened with Chris About his Captain EO <laughs> These are, no, oh, they're the 40 year olds Remember Captain EO Wait, we're, we're clapping for Captain EO? I'm, a, I'm the guy at the wedding that's like, really, Billy Jean? Really? You guys don't have HBO? That's me. It's an MJ joke. You guys, you want to still listen to it. We can talk about it. Michael Jackson comes on at a wedding. No judgment. Safe space. You guys are the guests. Safe space, all green lights. Clap if you're cool with it. That's okay, no judgment Clap if you're like, eh, he kind of raped some people (laughs) Clap if when I reminded you that he raped some people You changed your mind (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to... We're not going into that That's that's a different podcast (laughs) And what do you play, Chris? Uh, I sing and play guitar and music But I sing well Oh, Is he really mediocre, Rachel? No. She said no, but her face was like, this is a hostage situation. I've been living with the T-800 arm. (laughs) You'd think it'd be great, because you could look at the chords? If you ever forget what an F minor is, you're like, oh, there it is. Why are old people trying to get in on technology? That's what I want to know. My mother has a fucking iPad. Here's my impression. Val's in the wings. There's Val. Clap for Val. This is my impression of Val's dad. He won't won't hear this. Hey, Siri. (laughs) They love it. They love... Hey, watch this. Hey, Siri google movie times like just let's jump in a volcano let's jump in an active volcano just because it's a feature you don't have to use it that's for like that's like when you're driving like hey siri how do i get to the hospital that's when you use it not in a living room look at this it works for me it works for everyone you're not a wizard hey siri open shazam I don't want old people to use technology. I don't want my mom on Facebook. I don't want my mom to have an iPad. They should be telling us, like, remember how books smell? They shouldn't be trying to get in on our stupid shit with your wrist append. If my mom had that, I'd be like, okay, I'm never... I'm not coming home anymore. And they're... You can tell they're kind of scared of it, too. My mom... there's a There's a way that they tap and release an iPad that's dainty. You know what I mean? There's like a... They move away from it very quickly. They're like, you know how the apps kind of fly at them? I think they think that's happening. So it's kind of like with the daintiness that a magician taps the brim of his hat before producing a rabbit. That's how my mom touches a screen. <laughs> my mom is old, is old enough now that when I, I was just home and if I take a shower at their house or something and I come out and I go, mom, and, I, and she doesn't respond right away, I just start... <laughs> too dark. Too real I just start looking for a body I do Don't you back away Death is a part of life I thought you were weirdos You're not familiar with death She's in her late 70s And what's weird What I guess when it becomes a joke Is that I'm always in the kitchen Looking around the counter And she comes in And I'm like Hi <laughs> Nothing at all Everyone lives forever I'm afraid of my mom dying. That's why that's a good joke. But people back away because they're like, no, don't talk about it. You might make it happen. If I found out she died while I was making this joke, I owe you all an apology. (laughs) Chris, what do you think happens when we die? Ooh, Chris, with the hidden fencing sword. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you've been the fall guy for so much of this and now you're like uh huh I knew verbal jujitsu what if it is exactly what we guessed how disappointing would that be if you were, what's that that's right yeah. what if you died good on you and, right. and he goes oh no <laughs> and it's just a cloud yeah. and he goes I, they told me in college all this is bullshit and then he goes, how many times did I take the Lord's name in vain? And he goes, a million six. <laughs> Your legal counsel also knew the bit. <sighs> yeah, if I was burning in hell, I'd be like, it's a little obvious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, really? Like, I'd, I'd, I'd give it one star <laughs> on our break. I'd be like, it's a little on the nose. And then the flames kick back on. Uh, well, we've covered my mother dying and the possibility of eternal torment. Are you guys ready to get started? We had fun. Well, this is a new thing. We, we, I love Largo so much, and we wanted to just start doing live podcasts but in a way that uh, wasn't the five people, because you never get as deep. It's not, it, doesn't, it never really felt like a real episode to me. So I was like, let's just do a, one guest, and this is the first time we're doing it, and I'm so glad that you guys are here. Clap for yourselves for coming to a new thing. Yeah. So as we already mentioned, I'm, I'm very thrilled. I, I actually don't know this man very w- well. Uh, we've only met just now, but I know his work very, very well. And he is an incredible singer-songwriter, and he's an, uh, a wonderful man, and you're about to meet him. Let's give it up for Colin. Hey, everybody. Colin! <laughs>
2: Uh, It's good listening to you from out there because I didn't get everything, but it's like great rhythm. It kind of rises and falls and it's like, and they were just, you had them in the palms of your hand. And I thought to myself when I was out there, I thought, what the fuck am I going to do? It is, you guys listen to the podcast? You could probably,
0: you could probably do this for me. Because when a musician on this podcast says that to me, I usually say, the comedy is musical. Uh, it's a Brian Regan quote. It is. Where he says, our instrument is the audience. But you know this. You play both. You play the audience and you play music. Did and then you? Brian Regan's just got his face. I know. that Unbelievable. Never out of tune. Never out of tune. <laughs> I can't believe you know Brian Regan. Yeah. Are you a comedy fan? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> you don't have to be. no. I uh,
2: yeah, I like it.
0: <laughs> but is it something I, that you would do on a Thursday night?
2: That I would do on a Thursday like, night? Like, would you buy would a funny? ticket
0: and go see a show?
2: Uh, yeah, I have done. I yep. have done, or else i just come down here. Right. I've been coming down here for years. But my father was funny. That's, you know, my father was, my old man was funny.
0: Is he? How? Yeah.
2: Well, he was just charming, and he was witty, and he would tell stories, and he would tell jokes, you know? Yeah. And, uh I never thought that I would tell jokes that my father told, but I have told a couple of jokes.
0: Did he Um, have a favourite? We can uh, trade dad
2: jokes. (laughs) Well, there was one that involved uh, a guy that worked in the theatre, and uh, he'd always wanted to be an actor. And uh, he he used to work the sets, you know, and he knew all the the lines, he knew all the dialogue to all the plays. He just wanted a break, you know, just one break. If people could see what he could do, then... Then, uh, then, it, then it would all happen from there and, um, you know, he's moving the sets one time and the director says to him Johnny, he says, one of the actors has taken sick. you've got one line tonight he said, I oh, what's that? he says, what is it? he said, um, hark, I hear the cannons roar and he goes, what is, it? what is it? he goes, hark, I hear the cannons roar he goes, go home and practice it he says, come back tonight, he says, one line he goes, right, so he goes home, all afternoon he's in front of the mirror, he's going, hark, I hear the cannons roar hark, I hear the cannons roar he's very excited goes so back to the theatre and he's waiting in the wings for his, for his cue and he's practising he's going Harky the cannons roar Harky the cannons roar and then the director goes Right Johnny this is a cue on you go so he walks on the stage he turns to the audience and you he hear the cannons go Pow. and Johnny goes Fuck what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Those laughs are for you him! see that daddy you're still killing <laughs> It's
0: Till plays. <laughs> I remember, I, I thought when I was growing up, getting older, I thought I would tell my dad a joke that he would like. Yeah. And because I was a sweet boy, I thought it would be really like like a bonding experience to tell him a dirty joke. Right. And I remember where I was. I was in the cold storage of a Bennigan's. <laughs> where I worked. My name was Moose. And, uh, and I, I called my dad and we were talking and I was like, I told him this joke about a guy, and he was an alcoholic, and he was at a bar, and he threw up on himself. And the bartender said, and he starts crying, and the bartender says, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, my wife said if you ever get drunk and throw up like this on yourself, uh, I'm going to leave you. And the bartender says, don't worry, here's $20. He puts it in his front pocket, he goes, here's $20, go home, tell your wife someone else threw up on you and gave you $20 for the dry cleaning and he's like, "Oh, wow, you just saved my marriage." He goes home, his wife just as he thought, starts screaming at him. It's kind of, it's not a very woke joke. <laughs> but the wife starts screaming at him, and he goes, "No, no, no, it wasn't me. I'm not drunk. It wasn't me." Look in my pocket. It gave me $20 cuz someone else threw up on me, and she looks, and she goes, "There's $40 in here." And he goes, "Yeah, he shit my pants too." <laughs> Dad, did he laugh? He oh, no. gave it beyond zero. He gave it a long pause, and this is like a jovial. Maybe our dads were similar, larger than life. He just loves cracking. He loves inappropriate stuff. He didn't like it at all. I like it all because I think it's because of his history with drinking and stuff. So he wasn't ready to like laugh. uh, He had a history with drinking? At the allergy. He didn't want to laugh at the allergy. And I was like... Maybe the poo. Yeah, maybe he doesn't like poo stuff. (laughs) But, I don't know. I thought that might be a nice way to bond.
2: Yeah, I I gave my father a book, and I thought he would like that. It was was Irvin Welsh called Filth. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's really heavy going, you know, and I thought... I questioned it and he he gave it to me. I gave him the book and, and he goes, yeah, that's a terrible, terrible book you gave me. That. Terrible, terrible book. And I said, but he says, I can't put it down. He goes, it's a terrible book. What did, you, your dad passed? Yeah.
0: When? 2009. 2009. Yeah. Um. So not that long
2: ago. No. So
0: he saw quite a few phases of your career. Quite a lot, yeah. And he, I have to imagine it was Bizarre. What, what do you reckon, I'm going to say, what do you reckon it looked like when you uh, made it big for the
2: first time? Well, um, they were very excited, and they were very, very cool. My parents were lovely. Really? Yeah, my parents were lovely people. They were very... Um, uh, they didn't really want me to go into music for a living because they were worried. My father was on the stage when he was young. He was a great singer and a great dancer. That makes me more convinced that he would not
0: like it when his son... Oedipal complex style slaughters
2: yeah. his dream
0: yeah. and stands on his corpse right. and sings Who Can It Be Now? <laughs> yeah. but, he, but he wasn't that way. He wasn't competitive.
2: Well, no, I think he liked it. I think, I think once once he saw that... Uh, I, had, I had lots of problems with my old man. When I was about 18 or 19 because he thought that I was a loser, basically. Really? Know? Yeah. And uh, because I wasn't... Uh, Getting a job that he, you know, getting a job that he thought was, you know, suitable. He don't, I don't either. really know what that was. I think he was, at the end of the day, just kind of worried, you know. But um, stability. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, rock stars were kind of. Yeah, you know, it's what you're. You're, you're writing songs. I mean, what's that going to do, you know? And right. And um, but once once the band started to happen, he was he was he was well into it. And then they would come to lots of shows, and then you know, came pre fame. Yes. Really. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. And uh, and then when we got famous, um, w- I brought them to New York, and that was exciting because that was their favorite. Th- that was their favorite time. I mean, they came when I think my father was about sixty, so he was quite young, and my mother was just a bit younger than that. So they were hanging about New York for a couple of weeks, and he just completely loved it. He loved walking around the city, and and you know it was kind of overawed at first because i got them a limousine you know and so he was he got into the limousine and he'd never been you know he'd never been in a limousine before
0: and he was so young people that's an 80s uber
2: yeah exactly big big a long 80s uber Uber. and uh white or black it was a black one well done and uh and he's and he's in that and he's he's kind of like he's sitting and then he was, you know, and it quietened him. He's usually never, never short for words, you know. And then a couple of days later, I had this other limousine. And he got in that. And, um, and he was kind of, I said, you all right? Are you okay? He goes, hi. He says, this limousine's not as nice as the one you had the other day. <laughs> you know, so he adapted rather well.
0: That, that's the most dad thing I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah, yeah. He immediately got the hook in him yeah, yeah, and yeah, wanted yeah. the nicer limousine. I, the nice one, hey. I lo- but they, they, they. they as, I guess when you started playing and
2: doing it, and I, I, what turned them is what I'm wondering. Well, because uh, it was the strange playing. thing was, it's always been there. My mother and father had a music shop in Scotland before we went to Australia. They had a music shop between the years of 1959 and 1967. So. It was an extraordinary time to have a music shop, for one thing, because all that amazing music got made. Yeah. And so on a Monday, you would you would get all these new singles would come in. And then after the shop was closed, the most um, intimate time I had with my father was sitting in the shop. After the shop was closed, and he would have his suit on. And he would, he would be a DJ. He'd go, have a listen to these guys. They would play me a track by the Beatles he'd put on a track. And he'd go, he goes... He says they're quite good. He says, I think they'll do well. <laughs> and uh, so he would we would just play songs for me, you know, and we wow. would and, and that was that was a lovely thing to remember, you know.
0: Your guys' the, the Men at Work story reminds me of the Beatles because you had that you know the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hour thing? Hmm. The Beatles had it, I believe, in Germany? Yeah. And where they had that like little yeah. club. Yeah. And there was the Men at Work. What was the Men at Work equivalent? That oh
2: okay? well we didn't have we didn't have well it wasn't Perhaps not not quite the same uh, drama, I suppose, as the Beatles had. Um, what
0: do you mean? They, well, it just it was
2: such kind of it was so epic. I mean, you would you have you had John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. So, they, each one of them is so amazing, and then they come together, you right. know, and there's four people who are just. Most extraordinary people ever you know
0: right i 'm going to sit out the come
2: together joke
0: <laughs> and, and you, you, you don 't need me for that
2: <laughs> we played uh, we played we played for a couple of years before we, we had a record deal, so we were, but we had a huge live following in, in Melbourne, in but Australia. you had the
0: same like seven nights a week sometimes yeah. Yeah, exactly. grinding it out that... yeah
2: and then when we first came to America. It's weird because there was a huge fascination with us and everything Australian, which lasted for just a minute or two. I remember. But it was, it was quite extraordinary. You right. know, it's like people who, didn't, people who weren't even, uh, who didn't just, lo- not just lovers of music, but they were aware of us, you right. know, which is quite a rare thing in the music business, you know. And, uh, and, and I was, you know, and I would read about it. They would go, oh, this, this is a kind of a, an invasion you right. know, so it's, some, it's something which was culturally quite, quite different. You know, right. and then I was from, you know, I was from Scotland. You know, so but I was, I was an Australian person as well. I was, I had this weird identity thing where when I first came from Scotland to Australia, people would say to me, "What kind of accent did you got, mate?" I go on a so Scottish accent you can't talk like that here mate you got to learn how to talk like us So I learned how to speak like an Australian bloke just to assimilate and not get into any fights and then I'd go home and speak like this to my parents Oh my goodness So I had these two Wait, things were you, going on. You
0: really get in a fight because you didn't talk Well
2: Australian? you wanted to you wanted to avoid it Yeah And if you were in Scotland and people came from somewhere else they all got they got hammered you know it was a terribly kind of a terribly violent place you know Scotland uh, Yeah yeah uh, um, to, to grow up in you wow. know you, you were just people were always it was a, a strong uh, you know religious um, adversity you know you, I was a I was a Protestant although I didn't really know what that was but I had I had a blue bl- I had a
0: bl- <laughs> I had a Martin <laughs> Luther
2: nail it baby nail it and I had a I had a blue bla- I had a blue blazer you a know, blue blazer, and I, and, I, and I would go home. To, I would go home into the town, and I would have. I would be confronted by these Catholic guys, and they had maroon blazers.
0: Wait, you guys got dressed like the Sharks and the Jets? Exactly, exactly. Based I, on what type of Christian you were? Yeah, exactly. And then you fought in the streets. Yes. They would attack me because of your blazer. Yeah, because of the blazer. You got to get a reversible blazer.
2: I know. Okay. Blue on the inside. And then one day I'm walking down the street uh, speaking to my father and, and there's these three guys coming towards me and I thought, now they're going to bash me. I could just tell by the, by the cut of their jib and I thought, they're going to they're they're have me, those boys. So um, I thought, well, I'll attack them first. They won't expect that. And uh, so I ran at them and I kicked the guy on the outside and then I kept running and then I could, I could feel them chasing me, you know, and, and they were gaining on me because I was not a fast runner. I remember, I remember running along and looking at myself in the shop window thinking, fuck, you're looking good. Yeah. Just, just, just run a bit faster. And then I, looked, I looked down the street and I saw my father's car parked, you know, and the passenger door was open and he was just standing next to it going... <laughs> just, no! I just went straight into the car and he looked at these Catholics and goes, not today, boys.
0: Oh, wow.
2: Yes, Daddy!
0: Yes! <laughs> I feel like... Your dad would have laughed at my shit-in-the-pants joke.
2: Yeah. No, he would have. Yeah.
0: I also can relate to that story. Uh, I grew up rough and tumble. I also...
2: <laughs> no?
0: <laughs> rough and tumble? Well, one time I snuck into Epcot after hours. Of... <laughs> this is a true story, and I could really... I thought I could feel them. Uh, turns out they weren't following me. <laughs> they, uh, they It was closed. The park was closed, but uh, I went in anyway, so... <laughs> Had your dad been there with the teacup? Yeah. Well, I would have been fine. That's not De- Epcot. Um, was it? You're just helping me believe what I already believed about the old days, which is that everyone was. What, what was it? There was just nothing else to do,
2: so you're just punching each other. Well, I it was it was, it was quite it was traumatic. You know, I never really wanted to fight anybody, but um, it was a weird thing uh, where, oh my God, um, you would get claimed which was something like a medieval thing or something. It was like something out of Game of Thrones.
0: Claimed?
2: Yeah, like somebody, if somebody wanted to fight you, right, they would, they would come up to you at, in playtime or recess and they'd say to you, hey, and you go, what? And you go, you're fucking claimed. And that meant that you had to fight them at the end of the day. And so you'd be traumatized for the whole day thinking, God damn, I've got to fight these guys, you know. I've got to fight this guy at the end of the day. So you, at the end of the day, a crowd would gather, and you had to fight this guy for for an unknown reason. And and it was terribly traumatizing. Yes. And I had, I did that, I did that two or three times. I was claimed, you know, and I had to fight these guys. Were there promoters? Maybe. No. And so, so anyway, I go to Australia and. um, I never think about being claimed again, you know, because in Australia, people didn't want to fight you. They'd just go surfing, you know. it's sun's out. It's a nicer nice climate. Right, right. And so in 2003, uh, I'm out on the road playing in Ringo's band, you know, and, and, um, which was very, very exciting. Ringo. Ringo Starr, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And And... Um, uh, which was which was like a surreal thing to be playing to be playing in his band. Anyway, we would talk sometimes about he'd been to Scotland. He knew all about that kind of fight and climate, uh, fight. You know, he got beaten up in Scotland. Anyway, I'm sitting in the dressing room one day, and the door some the hear this knocking on the door, and the door opens, and Ringo's head he just pokes his head around. He goes, he goes, "Oh, you know, and I got what? He goes, you're fucking claimed. <laughs> You got
0: claimed by Ringo? claimed well, by Ringo.
2: <laughs> Didn't have to fight him, though.
0: Wow. I hope not. Please don't punch Ringo. No, well, we both love Largo. Yes. And Flanny, who is, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's like the show business antidote, this place. I, I feel like it's an infusion of, I don't know what to call it, other than, like, just reality. Like, it, it feels true and honest here. And he told me, anyway, a little shout-out to Flann, But he told me that you had a good Paul McCartney story. You were there, and so I'm.
2: I'm now asking you. It's a long story, Colin. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) It was um, well. The old Largo was great, um, and this one's great as well. But I mean, the old I met I met uh, Flanny in I think 1990, just before he opened uh, Largo. He was a young chap. I was in my thirties, and. uh, and uh, it was love at first sight, you know. I really love Flanagan, still do. And uh, so he said, oh, I'm opening this club. And I said, Great. "He well, you play there. And I'd just been dropped by MCA Records. And at that point, I'd been, I'd had maybe like over a decade of being with big labels. And, and I got dropped. And I thought, well, I'll play at Largo and it'll be an interim thing. While I plotted and schemed and tried to figure out how to get back to the lofty peaks of superstardom, you know. <laughs> Is that what you wanted? I th- I, well, that's what I thought, Yeah, you know. And so I started to play at Largo, and it was um, a beautiful thing because, for the, all those reasons you mentioned, that um, you could just um, catch a breath, yeah. and you could play to people. There was no, it didn't require, there was nothing involved except you turning up and an audience turning up yeah. and, and playing and doing what you do. Right. And anyway, uh, yeah, McCartney turned up one night. With it was when he first was first dating Heather Mills. To give you an idea how long ago it was. And um, <clears throat> so. The, the guy in the door, whose name I can't remember now, comes upstairs and he goes, he goes, uh, McCartney's in the room. And, um, and I go, ah, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, uh, and Flanagan goes, he is, actually. I said, is he? And he goes, yeah. And my immediate thought was, what, what took him so long? You know, I, thought, I thought he, you know, should have been here long before now, you know. To see you?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I
2: just, I just want to be clear. Yeah. Did you, cla- so- did you claim him? <laughs> Imagine that. Hey! Uh, hey, McCartney! <laughs> hey, vegetarian! Oh, <laughs> claim!
0: <laughs> vegetarian versus Vegemite. Uh.
1: <laughs>
0: what, what is that, the V word? <laughs> That's an Australian delicacy. It is, it is. Did you feel uh, pigeonholed in that moment? They really they they came to your defense I know they did am I uh, unaware of some veg like don 't say Vegemite.
2: oh no no, no. I, okay I, uh, it's, a, it's a it's a lovely spread <laughs> 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 all right, McCartney, oh, yeah, so I walked through the kitchen, you know the old Largo you had to walk from the old uh, you walk up from upstairs the, back of the the dressing room, you come downstairs through the kitchen, and he was just standing there huh. by himself and looking. You know, I thought, you are know, quite beautiful, you know. <laughs> and he looked exactly like Paul McCartney. <laughs> you know how some people, you think, fuck that, it's Paul McCartney, right? You know? And he's quite tall, you know, and... Um, tall? And, yeah, like, you know, taller than, yeah, taller than me. And, I mean, I'm not tall, but, you know, he's, I think he's maybe six foot or something like that, you know.
0: I did not expect that. And,
2: uh, and he goes, oh, there you are, man. Yeah, great, you know, really cool. Yeah, great. <laughs>
0: Ringo was there as well. <laughs> My Ringo and Paul, they're the same. <laughs> they're the same, entertain Yeah, <laughs> the
2: great, 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 good to see you. Great. So he goes, hey, listen, don't be um, <laughs> he goes, don't be offended, you know, but we just we just, we just got here, you know. We were a bit uh, jet-lagged, you know, so uh, don't be offended if we have to leave. I said, that's fine. I said, stay for two songs. He goes, all right, yeah, great, we'll stay for two songs. So I go to the stage and I'm thinking if, I, if there's any time I have to be on my game, you know, it's tonight. So I, I play the show and they stayed the whole night. And then Flanny gave them a, a record, you know, gave them a, gave them a CD them of mine.
0: When you were playing those, sorry to interrupt, when you were playing those two songs where you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna woo you to stay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was just thinking i have to I have to get I have to get them to stay. What there. did you open with? I don't know. <laughs>
0: These are the hard-hitting questions I'm known for. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, um, but afterwards, I heard from them. I heard that they liked it, and then they had this CD of mine called "Going Somewhere." They used to apparently they, they liked it. So, so um, uh, they contacted me again a while later and said they wanted to come to this other show that I was playing at the Canyon Club over there in in, in the valley. And um, I said, "Oh yeah, okay, sure." So, and she was Heather was coming, and she was bringing him and the, and the sister and and. Um, so, um, so they, they came to this Canyon Club show, we play there, and then um, we go up to this bar in the Canyon Club, like uh, after after the show, and it's. It's like uh, it's like something out of The Shining because we walk into the room. There's nobody in the room except the Barman and McCartney, and he's standing by the bar just by himself. You know, and he goes, "Hey, fellas, how you doing? Come on over here. That was great. Yeah, really great. Come on, have a drink." You know, and uh, and the band are going, "Oh, that's fucking Paul McCartney standing over there." So we go over there, and he holds court for about an hour. and He's chatting away, very very generous with his time. And the band are just, you know, and the bass player's going, "Oh, you know, yeah, great playing." He goes, "Yeah, well, I was playing it all for you." And he goes, "Yeah, well, every note was a winner. Yeah, great." And then, and then I found myself. Every note was, was a winner. winner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember that line. That's a great that. thing to say. Every note was a winner.
0: Whether or not it's true, yeah, that's like right. that's just a mitzvah that's if right. you're Paul McCartney. That's right. Every
2: note was a winner. So I found myself standing there talking to him by myself. And I thought, what do you say to a beetle when you're just standing there? And I didn't know what to say. So I said, what are you, what are you, what are you doing over here at the moment? He goes, oh, I'm finishing a record, you know. And I go, oh, all right. And uh, I said, it's a bit different you know, making records these days from making days to making records in the old days, right? And he goes, yeah. And then he proceeded to tell me, you know, what it was like in the old days. And I just could have stood there, you know, all night because, he goes, yeah, you know, I'd have a song, you know, and I'd go and pick up John and John would have a song. We'd get on the bus, I'd show him a song and he'd show me his song. And we get to the studio, you know, and Ringo and Joe's hadn't even heard the songs, you know. So we're playing for George and George would cop the codes and Ringo would tap on the table. Then a man with a white coat would come in and say, right lads, you're up. We go and play the song, record it. Do a couple like that before lunch, a couple after lunch. It's fast, you know, really fast. And I go, yeah. And then there was kind of a pause in the conversation. And uh, she comes up, to, Heather comes up, and they're both standing there. And they say, we want to come to your house. And I go, You want to come to my house? And they go, Yeah. And I said, Well I'm going on tour on Thursday. And I said, Well come on Wednesday. And I said, Okay. I said, Do You want me you want me to make you something to eat? And they go, Yeah. I said, So so you could say that you're like coming for dinner then? And he goes, Yeah. And I said, Okay. So they, she came a bit earlier. To, to hang out with Cecilia, my wife, and he came. He came down the driveway about eight o'clock, as he said he would. And I, I came up from the studio. I'm standing, and I was just standing there watching him coming down the driveway. Mm-hmm. And I had one of those moments where I just remembered the music shop with the, you know the posters on the wall, and try to figure out what chord George was playing in the poster. And just had one of those private moments where I just thought, "Fucking Paul McCartney's coming down my driveway," you know. It's just one of those moments. He goes, "Oh, great, man! There you are. Yeah, great." And I said, I said, come in. I said, come in. So I brought him in the house. I said, careful, mind your step. And he comes in. He goes, oh, I thought you guys, I loved your show, man. I loved it. It was great, you know. He know, I thought you were Australian. And I find out you were a jock, you know. It was really cool, you know. So we're ta- and chatting up all these things like Butlin's holiday camps and Diana Doors and all these kind of things to do with Britain. And, um, and I was just, I was in heaven, you know. And I made them this vegetarian food. I made them, you know, Cuban beans and Peruvian rice. And we're sitting there having dinner and um, and then um, after we had the dinner you know he gets up and he takes these plates and he takes them into the kitchen and he starts running the plates under the tap you know and I had another private moment to myself that <laughs> I just looked in the fucking kitchen and thought fucking Paul McCartney's doing my dishes you know And he did, it was a token effort. He, you know, he wasn't. Ah! Did they
0: remind you they were vegetarian, or did they just assume that you knew? I mean, two of the most famous vegetarians of all time. They
2: just assumed that we would know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Beatles.
0: Yeah. yeah you know, you know, you know. They know. Yeah, yeah, know. You should have made them steak just to see what they would do.
2: <laughs> you haven't Googled me. This grass-fed. It's grass-fed pork. <laughs> yeah. You like a bit of grass. (laughs) That's hilarious. When you're talking about
0: the old way of doing music, one of the things I wanted to ask you was your solo career sort of blossomed in an unlikely way with with Scrubs and and Garden State. And before that, these records are coming out and nobody's hearing them. I have a lot of friends that are musicians. We have some Chris. We have... (laughs) I don't know... What the fuck is going on with music? No, it's like a fire hose. We we saw Val and I were in our neighborhood. We saw a a a, a, bunch, a bench ad for Jack White's other band, the Re- the and Tours or whatever. Right. And I was just like, I just see that and it gives me panic. That he's just like, I'm in another band too, and I'm like, ah! it's just like too much. If I'm too many in content. It's how I feel when I go on Netflix and the instant preview start I playing know, and I'm I like, or oh, I fair. could just kill myself. Like yeah. I don't it's too much. Yeah, I so I can here, watch
2: this, I can watch that, I can listen to this, listen to that. Oh fuck. It's
0: yeah. it's entertainment as yeah. firehose. Yeah. It's too much. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So there you were making these your solo records. Yeah. These songs that we know and we love, mm. but we needed a TV show? To find you in a movie? Like, what I'm saying is, what do you say to young people that could be geniuses? And it's like, what the fuck do you do? To get your... I, I know it's a question that we all have to ask ourselves, but, like, what do we
2: even say in this climate? Ah, uh, well, I just think... I mean, you have to get on with it, really, and just kind of, fi- you know, find... find I, I've got no idea what to say to people, really, but, but I, think, I think that playing... <laughs> I think playing live is really is really, I mean, I, the only experience that I've had is, is, is connecting uh, with, an, with, a, with an audience. I mean, I, lo- I love writing music and I love recording music, and that's probably my favourite part of the process. The studio? You know? Yeah. You know, because it's because the first time you're creating something, you're just going, oh, this is, I, just, I made that, you know, yeah. and you listen to it and you go, oh. And then when you're going out and playing live, you're just, you're reproducing that. So there's kind of, it's a step down in a way. You're kind of doing something you you already know. the same with a
0: bit. Yeah. The first, especially because I'll improvise.
2: Right. And you'll say something. Yeah.
0: You're like, oh shit. Wow. And then the next time it is, it's the second time you have sex with your new girlfriend. (laughs) It's still great. It's still great, yeah. And Val, I have something to tell you. (laughs) It sounded weird that I didn't say wife, but I didn't want to make it about her. Yeah. Look, yeah. I regret the riff. You don't have to Sometimes go so far. Happens, as, yeah. yeah, you don't have to go so far as to turn the thermostat down <laughs> to teach me my lesson. Um, but but yeah, you're recreating something.
2: Yeah, and so uh, as, as far as telling people, it's it's always very difficult to tell to have any idea about because you're you're kind of you're just you're just putting one foot in the other uh, in front of the other, trying to um, trying to get by. You know, it's. Uh, um, when I started making the solo records, it was it was to avoid insanity, really, or to avoid invo- to avoid. What do I do now? You know, I I, I was I was living here because I was having trouble. I had trouble with the drink, so I ran away from Australia. I have a joke for you. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm kidding. It, it was the shit your pants joke. <laughs> um,
0: uh, but back to your real life problems.
2: But I think I think that the um, I think the, I think the answer to what you're saying is that. Um, it's a cliche, really, but but the process is really important. You know, like the end result of it is is well, you don't really know, but like you have to really love the process. of whether you're right. thinking up a joke or whether you're writing a song, that's 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 the shit. That's that's where you, that's the stuff you love, you right? Know? And that's the stuff that stays with you. You know,
0: that seems to be. You have, there's a great documentary that my my friend actually from college made uh, called "Waiting for My Real Life," right? <laughs> Yes, I got Mm -hmm. got because they clipped off the end of the name of the song. That's right. So it's just waiting for my real life, and that's what comes through. And that's why I wanted to ask you. And I love I love that response for what it's worth. Is that like? clearly this is something that you have to do. This is what Valerie and I talk about all the time. It's not just like what you can do or even what's being offered or it's like, uh, "Con, you you could do this and and maybe Mm -hmm. people would come, like if you you just did like that record Mm -hmm. live, you could maybe make a cash play or something. There seems Mm -hmm. to be something that's waking you up at night that wants to be and that's what you're honoring when you write music?
2: Uh, Well, sometimes I think that. Sometimes I think that I have to do this and then sometimes I think, well, um, you do, you wonder whether it's just habit, you know, whether you're just doing something which has been habitual for so many years hmm. that you just do it. Um, uh, I was going th- there was something I was going to say and I've just forgotten what it was now. But but um, I think when you have uh, when you ha- I like had a a, a brilliant moment when my old band first cab off the rank you know sells millions and mil- millions and millions of records. It was an interesting thing happens uh, for me. Uh, that all went away quite quickly, and so that was what was great about Largo. Was that when I say I avoided insanity, it was a place to come where you could just play, and because no one, no one was. I didn't have anything going on. I had no, I had nothing going on. I'm not complaining. I wasn't poor. I didn't. I wasn't broke. I didn't have to do another job. So uh, it, it wasn't something like that. But it was. It, it was like starting again. Right. So um. So then you think to yourself well, okay, I had that brilliant moment. And then you think, well, that can't really be your yardstick because you think, well, I want to get back there again because that's really the only thing that's really important. And then I figured to myself, well, if that never happens again, you know, is that okay? Is it okay just playing it at Largo, you know, for the rest of your life? And you have to think to yourself, well, yes, it is because um, that's what you have, you know. And you not and um, that may not ever happen again. But it happened. It it, hap- it it happened once, and then you make a record, you make something, you do your best work, and it's a secret. And then somebody like you know Zach Braff comes along and puts it in his television show, or puts it in his movie, and all of a sudden it goes platinum, the CD, and people are going, "Oh, I love that song." You go, "Where the fuck were you ten years ago when it was on my record?" You know. <laughs> all those other things happen and you kind of have to rationalize everything and you, you, you kind of have, you have different kind of inner dialogues, you know, you have, you constantly have to kind of convince yourself that that what's going on, the reality of what's going on now, how you spend your day from when you get up until you go to bed um, f- from now till the end of your life or the end of today is, um, is you know, fill it with something that gives you you know, creative joy, because that's really all we have to offer is what we can create.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is something that I'm working with right now. You know, I had a TV show; I got canceled. That's right. And then you're like, "Well, I want to." The goal becomes: Can I do something that you enjoy? And I did this with the show, but I mean, I want the next thing to be like: I want to enjoy doing it just for its own sake. That's right. But doesn't that that's that sounds like wisdom to me? It also sounds like surrender. Is you're talking about men at work happened, mm. but you guys didn't get together and go like, "Here's our plan to superstardom."
2: Well, we kind of did.
1: Oh, really?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, we, you really k- kind of. Yeah, it wasn't articulated like that. But um, oh, that's I, right. You were ambitious, right? You you had the I was the ambitious. Itch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from when I, from when I was 14, I wanted to be in a, a successful band. So it took about 15 years of of. You know, writing wee songs and then I went through university just to please my parents because they said, oh, you have to get an education. And so I went to university and that turned out to be much better than I thought it would be because I could plot and I could scheme and I could try and figure out uh, how, to, how to do things. But I met the guy that became my manager who was, who was moving a bit of pot at the time. you know, <laughs> And I just thought, well, he's, he always had money. You know, and we had a we had a you know, we were living together in a house, and we had a color television, we were rocking, you know, and, uh, and he had weed, and uh, yeah, and he said, Oh, if you ever get a band together, call, I'll hustle for you, really, yeah, and I said, Okay, so that was the basis of our deal, you know.
0: Wow, that's every weed dealer's dream, yeah, is that their roommate would just become yeah, a rock star, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're like, Remember what I yeah, said, yeah. man, yeah. you said I could be your manager, man and then 10% later he yeah. has a
2: plane well, 10%, no, 10%, yeah 10% 20 20%, 20%? 20%? 20%? I think it was i think it was 15 all right but uh, that's another that's a, a whole other whole other topic which is not really it's, it's interesting but yeah. it's but it's a long topic what do you um, mean you're against that no no i think i think it's fine but 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 usually with bands or with men uh, in bands uh, the communication skills are usually very limited <laughs> And so that's that's what usually breaks down. Is you know when, when you're talking about um, you know the financial goings yeah. on of bands is usually what is what causes problems. You know, but 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 really, more than anything, I think it's more. I think it's men's inability to communicate with each other, in any with any kind of um, rational way. You know? <laughs> so, so things just fester. You know, and problems that shouldn't really be problems. Become. Did that happen?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like an issue of you getting more because you wrote the songs or something like that? Well, we had
2: a, we had a situation where, you know, I, I, wrote, I would say, for example, Who Can It Be Now, which I wrote myself, um, this, the publishing got split between the band and still does. Yeah. You know, so I give away still 40% of my song to those other guys. You know, 35 years later. And some guy named Skeez who's still dealing weed yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, Russell. Russell. <laughs> no, Russell, I'm sorry. Yeah, Russell, I yeah, know yeah. him as Skeez, But I love Russell. You know? and, yeah. and you don't really mind that because you think to yourself, okay, well, you come in with a song and, all this, and everyone plays their part and you end up with this huge thing. So, so who can say who is responsible to what degree for the success of that, right? right. So you go, okay, we're in this together. There was six Did you a, write the saxophone, Rip? I did, but of I did write that
0: well, yeah I but, see that percentage
2: going up for old Colin, <laughs> but Greg played it, okay, and, you know, and um and 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 so but what happened then was that Russell, who was
0: the man at yeah
2: you know um. According to a couple of the guys in the band, he wasn't a real manager, so people wanted to sack him, and they, oh. wanted to, they, wanted to, you know, they wanted to take away his commission and put him on a salary. And I'm thinking, well, how can you do that? Because we're, we're kings of the world. We won. We, 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 it happened. Right. So why don't you just leave it the way it is? Right. And then one of the guys, wanted to, he got his sister to manage him, and all of a sudden it was fucking Spinal Tap. Oh. Wow. You know? And you think, no, I'm not going to, that's not going to happen to us, but that's exactly what happened, you know. Yeah. So, so, so I said to Russell, and, and of course, having a manager, the best thing a manager can do is to actually keep a band together, to be a good communicator. Now, Russell was not a good communicator.
1: <laughs>
2: you, know, his, you know, he was a man of few words, you know. We first came to America, to, uh, and, we're, and we, were, we, we were, the record was flying away, and, and we had these meetings with all these agents that wanted to represent us, you know. And they're all, when we knew nothing about America or Americans. We're at this dinner, and uh, this one guy ordered ribs, and some guy ordered something else. And Russell comes from a sheep farm, you know. And Russell's sitting there looking at these ribs, and he's looking at them. And someone goes, How are the ribs, Bob? And he goes, Oh, they're pretty good. And Russell goes, Don't eat ribs much in Australia. And he goes, No, and he goes, Nah, we just usually feed them to the dogs. <laughs> That was our manager. <laughs> Keeping you know, those like, relationships going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. And he would have a big sweater that looked like it had just come off a fucking sheet.
0: <laughs> but there was there was financial tension, which, which is interesting. Because you can go two ways. I've seen that in comedy, too. Some people's <clears> number <throat> comes in, and they go like, well, what can you do? These people were with me from the beginning. Yeah. So one of us gets rich. We all get rich. Yeah. But I've also Well, that's seen what happened. Yeah. That's what
2: happened, you know. Right. but. But uh, I wanted, I wanted out, you know, because I didn't, I didn't really want to work with a couple. I had a, I had a problem with, it, with with Jerry, the drummer, and and you know, I kind of loved him as well. You know, he had he had a different methodology from me, but he wanted to sack Russell, and I didn't, and Russell was my guy. He was my friend, and so I felt it's like a it's like a, a, a an episode of Survivor. You know, there's like there's different camps. You know, Right. so and of course, and then of course, when you're when you're that. Famous for a minute. All, There's all these external things that come in that you know nothing about. Different accountants, different managers, different lawyers, and everyone's got an idea of what you should do, and it's 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 baffling, you know. And so at the end of the at the end of the tour in '83, I said to Russell, "I'm one out." And he goes, "Well, what do you want to get? What do you want to leave for? It's your band." I went, "Oh, is it?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "What are you going to leave for?" So then I, I you know we just we just kind of went our separate ways for a little while, and then I got and then I kind of. Because I, because Greg was my friend who played sax. You know, I called Greg and he says, Oh, Greg, said, yeah, I don't, don't want to work with those guys. And Ron said, I don't want to work with these guys. And so it ended up being four of us, Russell and three, me and Greg and Ron. We wanted to stay together. but We didn't want to work with the drum and the bass player. So they got the sack. And, you know, what we didn't realise at the time was that that was the end of the band. That was the end. Because we didn't realise at the time, but for better or worse, the magic, or the, the magic of that band was that was those five people, and Russell. Really? Yeah, I think so. And then after that, it was done, it was over. We made another record, but it was just... With a different
0: different rhythm segment?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and and then we were just, like, drinking a lot. And, and, you know, we were always a big weed band, you know. Weed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen the
0: outfits. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you guys were wild. I mean, you wanted to be wild. I have to think that that was yeah.
2: part of it well we never i never really thought this has been that you know it, we, we never thought we just it was just it was a very what did, what did we want we wanted to be um I oh, speaking about what you you talking about before about being um ambitious was that we wanted to sign with a record label that was an international label and there was only one label interested in us which was CBS which became Sony so they they um they signed us which was fortunate because they were the only label that we were really interested in you know and um, but we built up this following to the point where it was almost like we could feel it all happening. And then something else happens. I don't know if you felt this yourself, but um, when you're working on something creative and it starts to work, it's almost like it's something outside of yourself takes over. And you think it doesn't really matter what we do. This is this is rocking. This is this is happening. Like mm. this is like a train. It's like a big wave. It's 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 going. So you just have to try and stay on the board or just just kind of stay on, you know, stay on track and it'll be fine. You know, right. every, everything seemed to be coming into place. We had a great record producer, American guy. He made a record we loved and all of a sudden, you know, the record goes to number 2 in Australia. We get a, we get a, a tour of America opening up for Fleetwood Mac, playing to 20,000 people and everything was just like, oh, this is this is happened this and has happened. you shouldn't
0: rock the boat no but just
2: you'd... go and go with it and 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 it did it just it went it went incredibly well you know and uh, then we started to make classic blunders you know like the manager thing no we we decided we had the second album called cargo and we decided to release it much too soon because we were fucking idiots <laughs> Because and your manager was rolling some sticky icky. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. no well no because America was late in, in, a, in a usually what happens is yeah your that, you record
0: know, had been out for a yeah, while yeah. before it broke here yeah exactly so, so you guys were ready to do another yeah we've done another album yeah.
2: and we were kind of impatient and we were you know we were upstarts you know we wanted and we were we were stupidly feeling that we were going to punish the Americans for rejecting our album twice. Right, right. And then when they finally got on board and it started to roll out the doors, they were going, "Wait, wait, don't release the second album first. Don't release the second album because we still got to market this." And we said, "Yeah, but you fucked up because you waited too long. The rest of the world is waiting for a second album. We want to release it." And they're going, "Wait, Oh, wow. and wait, and we didn't wait, and we should have waited.
0: Was part of you like, fuck you, yeah. America, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah.
2: get to... Yeah, 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 it's like, it's, it's so such a, you know, culturally arrogant kind of it speech, is. You know, thing to do. Right. You know, especially the A&R department, they go, oh, now, there's no hits on this, you know, we'd, like, sold 250,000 albums in Canada, you know, they go, no, this is not going to happen. And it only took, <coughs> it took um, the, the guy that signed us, who was a guy called Peter Carpen in Sydney, he actually called up the guy called dick Asher who and he used to work in new york and this guy called dick Asher overrode the a r 's decision not to release it and said you 've got to release this record and so he forced its release because because the, the R they weren 't going to re- release it otherwise, and then it started to it started to happen mm. and um and off it went but that was, a, that was a long, long time ago, Pete. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there was notes of Mrs. Doubtfire in there. Oh, it was a, a long time, long time ago. ago. Long time ago. <laughs> but was mostly... it was
2: brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, it was just an incredible, uh, an incredible time and an amazing thing to happen. And uh, it's, um, it still is. You know, it's still, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's still very present. You know. Yeah. And,
0: and... I just watched that movie. Have you seen Greenberg by any chance? It's a no-bomb bag movie, Ben Stiller. Yeah, it's a great movie. And they have this dynamic where the band is mad at Ben Stiller's character because he declined a record deal and then it was their only deal because he thought it was going to be... It's not a spoiler. It's not that kind of movie. Um, Somebody told me... Somebody ruined the Avengers for me. Anyway, listen. (laughs) I have a baby and I haven't seen it. And somebody was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I saw 20 movies. Anyway, um... I'm 40, it's fine <laughs> But anyway, that dynamic of like, like A decision that affects five lives Is something yeah. that comedians don't have to right. Deal with It's very. I have two follow-up questions uh, One, have you ever seen a ghost? You seem like a guy who's seen a ghost
2: <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to say I want to say that I've seen a ghost But I haven't You haven't? No. From Scotland? My wife is my wife has seen she's the one who sees the ghost. She sees sees. She does. Do you yeah. live with a ghost? Is it McCartney? No, 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 there's no there's no ghost in our house, but we've played a lot of theatres where she sees ghosts. Really? Yeah. Like what? Uh, she, we'll be in a we'll be in a theater and she'll get you know, she'll go uh, she'll come and say she'll go, Oh, there's a ghost downstairs. And I go, Really? She goes, there's a ghost downstairs. He's okay, he's he's I'm not, I don't have the fear, but he's a he's a ghost. And then I, and then I, I um and then I, and then I say and then I go to talk to the to the theater manager and I go, is there right? He goes, yes.
0: Really? Oh, I love that. Yeah. The other thing that we've been talking about, just because it's interesting to me, you write about it in your music, um, giving up the booze and all that yeah. stuff. What what was the story? You you alluded to it, and and we. <coughs> It's, it's just an interesting subject to me. You talk about is, habits, yeah. and yeah. our job is sort of compulsive. So I'm just sort of
2: well, interested um, in that. Well, um, my grandfather was an alcoholic, according to my, my father. My father wasn't an, wasn't an alcoholic, but it can skip, often skips generations. But I didn't start drinking until I was about 26 or 27. And, but as soon as I did, I, I realized that I had a problem with it, you know, because I just loved it so much. And so I realized probably early on that I was an alcoholic, which is not really... The kind of thing you want to realise straight away. You want to get at least you want to get at least thirty-five or forty years of heavy drinking behind you before you realise that. Why but did you start so late? Because I was because I loved the weed, <laughs> and I and I also um, I also didn't really like um, people who drank that much because they seemed to get really fucked up and just and be and there was always the potential of violence. Right. Whereas with weed, it was more creative and I always used to find that I would kind of, you know, stare at the guitar and all of a sudden like a tune would kind of pop out, you know. And so right. it, was a, it was a, it kind of seemed to open a creative door for me. Right.
0: Margaritaville is the only song written drunk worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. is it? It's a good, I like it. It's is it? A good, yeah. yeah it's a, it's Can a good, you listen good. to other people's music? Can I listen to it? You know what I mean? Like, it's hard for me to listen to other people's comedy because. Yeah. I, you, it's not like, oh, I'm such a genius. I'm just, I, we're all that way. It's yeah, sort of like, no, you I, see whenever the code. I see
2: like, great comics, I, I always I kind of, you know, I'm standing, I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, fuck you. Why, that's, why didn't I, I, I wanted to. Think when of you watch of that. other people's music? No. Comics. Comedians, oh, you know, why didn't I think of that? That's fucking funny. <laughs> you want their glory too? I want their glory as <laughs> well. How dare you be so funny? Wow. I used to, I used to go to Lago and watch Mitch Hedberg, and I just thought, I never want him to stop.
0: Yeah. yeah. He was incredible. my favorite. Yeah, I know. He was my favorite, too. He's amazing. Do you, did you have any interactions
2: with him? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, I, I got to know him a little bit. Not, not, not well, but I got to know him, you know, he was, lov- he was so lovely. He so, such a lovely man. Yeah. And so brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what was your question? You we were talking question. about weed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I love the weed. Yeah, when did you weed. start smoking the, the weed? Oh, when I, was about, uh, when I was about 19 or something like that. Okay. And, uh, yeah. We used to have... Um, uh, I had a song called Overkill, and in that song, it says, ghosts appear and fade away. It's one of the reasons why I thought. Right. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I bring it up. Yeah. Is I was going on stage at this festival in Australia years ago, and a, a guy stopped me, put his big hand on my chest, and said, "Mate, you gonna play that song about the goats, mate?" I said, "What?" He says, "You've got a song about goats, haven't you?" I go, "No." Can you hey, uh, make goats appear then they fade away again? <laughs>
0: that's funny I thought for a long time you were saying goes, goes, to, goes to, beer? to beer yeah a
2: lot of people think that yeah, yeah it's
0: because we're dumb
2: yeah so he thought it was goats appear and fade away and, uh, and that struck me as amusing for many years just because of the fact that you know he would have listened to that song for a long time and it didn't strike him as odd you know that there were goats appearing and fade away whatever works yeah. But it it did remind me of this time when I first started to smoke weed. I was living in this house with I was I was um, I was working for the city and I was a a garbage. I did the garbage run, you know, running behind the truck and throwing the garbage and thing and you know. And I lived with three other guys that did the same thing. We worked for the city and we were big big weed smokers. And um, we had a next door neighbor that used to complain because our lawn was very unkempt. And he used to. He was one of these guys that said everything twice. And uh, he was he was weird, and uh, he would come and knock on the door. He go, I know, what you blokes are do- "I know what you blokes are doing in there," and uh, he go like, uh, "He go, I'm not going to call the cops. I'm not going to call the cops. But just keep the lawn down, all right? Just keep the lawn down, all right?" <laughs> Said everything twice. And, uh, in Brooklyn, we called him Johnny two
0: times. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: so you know, he was a fucking idiot. Really. But uh, so anyway, we thought we we need to do something about the lawn. So uh, we thought, we'll get a goat. And we went and got a goat. And they um, put him in the yard and tied him up in the yard. And, uh, you know, after, um, uh, you know he would, after a couple of days, he decided he was one of us and didn't want to eat the lawn either. <laughs> and we'd just bang on the door with his wee head every night. We'd bang on the door to come in the house. So we just let him in the house. and <laughs> And he would come into this room full of marijuana smoke and stand up in the bu- on the back of the sofa and watch the television. with it's this one, people would come round and say it's a fucking goat standing over the guy. I know. I mean, we had a dog that was free to freak the dog, at the dog used to go. Yeah, goat beats dog. Dog knows goat well. So he was lovely. <laughs> So that, that was when I first started to smoke the weed. Did the goat seem high? Yeah. No no living thing could have been in that room and not been high. That <laughs> was when people used to smoke bongs. Oh, one guy. Yeah.
0: Old bongy Eddie.
2: And then when did... So booze comes in. Booze came in when I got a job as... Um, in in a, in a musical called Ned Kelly uh, in Adelaide, where I was in the music, was I was in the chorus, and um, I was being paid a salary. And after you'd do the show, which was eight shows a week, you know, after you, you after you'd do the show, they had a beautiful bar there, and and there was um, you know the whole the whole cast would get together and drink. So I just learned how to drink there, you know, and. Um,
0: because you had money, or because it's what everyone was doing?
2: Of, everyone was doing it, and plus I just I had you know disposable income, and I thought oh, I'll tr- try this, you know, and it was was,
0: it was also like, just doing it over and over and over like the same thing,
2: the same show. Yeah, maybe maybe a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, maybe a bit of that. It I see a uh, lot of people on the
0: road going to that, like yeah. the massage you drink.
2: Yeah, I I, I loved it. I loved I loved to drink. It was it was fantastic. I loved it, you know. And so I, be- I usually I became addicted to pretty much everything that I tried, you know. So, yeah. um, so I, I knew I had to stop. So I, I stopped in beginning of 91. I stopped altogether. On I, your own? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, went to meeting, I went to meetings for a long time. But did you diagnose the problem? Yeah, yeah. I always, I wanted to stop. That's, that's the big thing. I always see people go, oh, you know, I, I wanted to stop because I knew I was, I was, I was heading for an early death, you know. Because for health reasons? Yeah, I knew I was I was I was killing myself. You know? Right. Uh, I, I'd get the blackouts, you know, and I wouldn't remember what had happened the night before, and it was freaking me out. Right. And all my friends were high functioning drug addicts and alcoholics, and uh, they were all very successful people, and they didn't want me to stop, you know, because because then it, it reflects on them as well, you know. It's that like, always bothered me
0: that you're more fun when you're drinking, and I'm yeah. like.
2: Am I? Not. Yeah, that's right. Well, I don't right. think you are. I think that's I a lie. I haven't licked
0: your forehead. Is yeah, that what right. you want? Yeah. Yeah. You've been waiting for me to lick your yeah. forehead.
2: Yeah. Oh, don't don't give up, mate. You're fine, mate. You're not an alcoholic. You're just like us. <laughs> you know? So I ran away, came here uh, in, uh, you know, eighty nine, ninety, I think it was, and. Uh, and this was, this was a, a perfect place for me to come to. And you know what Los Angeles is like? It has no support system whatsoever, really. I mean, if you're not from here, people don't give a fuck, you know, really. And you've got about 30 seconds to say your piece before people move on. Right. Uh, but I loved that because no one was... <laughs> n- <laughs> Why? Because no one was kind of, you know, you didn't have roots that went down. You know, people didn't, didn't know you. So I could, could be I, anyway. could, I, could, I could have a clean slate. Yeah. And people are like, come on, mate. We're going... To... Come on, mate. Right. Come on. Right. I know you. Come on. Come right. on. Right. Just what's wrong, mate? You're fine, mate. You're fine. Right. Well, I'll drive you home, mate. I'll drive you home. Don't worry about it. So here, it was just like, oh, uh, I want to stop drinking, and, people, and also a lot of people had stopped drinking here. I'd go to meetings, and you'd see, well, and so there was, a, there was a comfort level, and I wanted to... Um, I think uh, it also goes back to the weather.
0: You were talking about Scotland, everybody punching yeah. each other in the face. Yeah.
2: Val and I were
0: saying, like, there's something like an overcast day instantly we're just like let's just eat pasta all and stay bad for salt like we forget yeah. how we're idiots we're we're stuck in these things that are fucking stupid yeah. and then when it's sunny we're like maybe I'll eat an avocado yeah. like we <laughs> go to the beach like there's no there's no free will uh, this is why advertising works like we're idiots <laughs> yeah, sure. and we're just like ah, red coca-cola
2: like I know. I was. I was. Uh, I was thinking the other day about, about evolution, and I was thinking, I know that evolution's uh, uh, you know, real because I've got this very clever rat in the house who just avoids all the traps. And when I first came to live here, they weren't so clever the rats. So I think they've moved. They've moved forward. But then I went to Disney World, did some shows in Disney World a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, fuck, I'm not so sure. You know.
0: <laughs> Seeing the people. Yeah. yeah. Man, that is cold, and I love it. If you're not going to Disney World to feel better about yourself, you're not doing it right. <laughs> the people with the turkey legs? <laughs> Those are my faves. It's what, green you green did green a green. show at Disney I
2: did, World? Uh, I, did th- I did six shows. Um, I, did, um, I did six shows. Uh, just a Did couple your weeks wife ago.
0: come out of the haunted mansion like, I saw her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel the fear, yeah, but I
2: feel the, they're um, very funny. I mean, they're singing. Yeah. They're <laughs> no, they, they, they um, No, they stuck a guard dog with a dog on, on Cecilia. They, they wouldn't let her into the, into the. She was a threat, apparently. What? Little, is this a real story? Woman from Peru, you know, and they're going, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: That's not real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Your wife
2: is Peruvian. Yeah, she's wife is Peruvian. She tried to get into the park and she didn't have the right pass. And she said she was married to me. They go, wow, oh, we don't believe you. And uh, and so then they and she and then she started to get you know a bit who was ex- working the door? Joe Far. She's starting. She's starting a bit excited. So they thought, oh well, we'll get a man with a black uniform and a big fucking black dog to run. And she says, oh, they had the dog on me. They had the dog on me. Really? The happiest place on earth? Yeah, exactly. Dude, yeah. I told
0: you earlier about a story where I walked into Epcot. No problem. That's
2: fucked up. So, um, yeah. So I did two shows. I did uh, I did uh, six shows there a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we, but half hour shows because I don't know whether that even counts as being a show. Uh, they want the hits, and so you, I just did half an hour. And then you have forty five minutes off. Then you do another half an hour, forty five minutes. Then another half an hour. You're playing for the guests. Yeah, they, you're playing for. Oh, there's an amphitheater there.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Were the the bears your backing band? <laughs> I would have have come to that. (laughs) If they took a flash photo of you, did you just turn down? (laughs) No photos of Colin Hagg, He's animatronic. I don't know why we all laughed at that, but I'm so glad we did. (laughs) I was at the, the Country Bear Jamboree, and someone took a photo, and they just went... They just died. Yeah. They just shut down. That's how badly they didn't want evidence of their technology getting to the Russians.
2: I was one of the, I was one of the voices in the Country Bears film. You were not. I was. You were? Yeah, I just remembered that.
0: And they didn't let your wife in the yeah, exactly, park? Yeah,
2: exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're one of the I should, br- I should have told her to bring that up. They're, oh, of course, come in. Uh, wow. So we were talking about uh, booze. Yeah, and um... And so, yeah, so coming to Los Angeles was... Oh, right. it ...was great. And the for, weather. And the weather. Because you want to
0: have a kale juice out here.
2: What's that? You want yeah, to be healthy out here. Yeah, exactly. Because um, we're dumb. And, uh, and then I would, I would um, have these moments of euphoria, driving down the 101, which is a strange thing to happen, but you're just driving along, and you see the hills in the distance, and you think, oh, I'm just... This is beautiful. I I'm, I'm I'm exactly where I should be. I don't know why... But this is this is where I'm supposed to be right now, and ah. so I, I thought I can start again, and um, then um, having a, a house to live in and a couple of machines to like, I learned how to record songs instead of in your house. Yeah, in my house because I didn't want to try and go and get a record deal again, and people say no, 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 you're away off, off you go, you know. So right. so I started to make records, and then you know people would write to me. And I would just go down to the post office and send them, the, send them the CDs, you know, like literally just... For years I did that, you know. And then I'd go on the road and no one would come. There'd be maybe 20 people or 30 people or 40 people. And then I would do it again and then more people would come. And so that was about, you know, 25, 25 years ago. So I just kept doing that, basically. And, and all the time when I'd come back to L.A., I would play at Largo. And, and then I'd go off again or make another record... And so that's been my life. And getting back to the thing of thinking, oh, uh, going out on the road and playing Lagos on interim thing, then the universe speaks to you, and sometimes you listen, but you know, sometimes it takes a while for you to listen. Now, listen, I thought, oh, this is what I'm actually supposed to do, right? You know, and um, and then the the live audiences would come, and um, and that's a beautiful thing as well because you know to get people to get up off the sofa. And, you know, get into their vehicle of choice, you know, and come to a venue and sit down and go, okay, give us what you got. You know, it's quite a lot. And then, so that's what I figured was going to be my work. Did you find the
0: experience, uh, so you you got there, (coughs) of shooting up real fast. Men and Work shot up pretty fast. Mm. And then you said it went away pretty quickly too. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to be leading and say it was humbling. But I mean, do you see that as like this essential thing for you? I mean, what I'm see- what I'm hearing you say is like there was a the shoot up, mm. then there was the come down, mm. then you get sober, then mm. you start mailing out records. Mm. It, you don't seem like a humiliated person, but was there sort of like an ego death in all of this? Like, did you have to
2: die and resurrect, kind of? Um, no. I I say I think somewhere inside me I felt I felt. Uh, an essence of happiness because I thought to myself, this is really who I am. This is truly... This is Now I can just be who I am. Right. And I think it has, goes back to a little bit like... I mean, I was who I was in Men at Work as well, but in a way it was kind of, okay, we want to be successful. We want to have this, this band. You're, you're, you're almost playing a part, but you're not really, you know. But it's almost like that. And so... And because of the, perhaps because there were six people involved you know you're they're getting people are getting a slice of you whereas when i came here and i just thought well i'll, I'll just i'll do this and i'll play the acoustic guitar and sing and and see what happens
0: right.
2: so there was something quite um
0: did that feel more s- like
2: you yeah. yeah i mean i love i love being in a band as well and i loved everything about being in the band but i think there's just something which is i suppose essential um it's 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 a point you can start from and it's also a point you can also just return to you know of of and I think that people responded to that, you know, and, yeah. and they would come along, and then more people would come, and uh, they, seemed to get, they seemed to get a lot out of that. Right. And so I did too, because you get creative, you get nourishment from that, because people give you their energy, and so it becomes like an electrical current. You know, you put it out, and it goes out there, and it comes back, and you're plugged in. And that's what you want. You want to be plugged in to that's the right, world. Right. And that's, that's when you can feel happy most of the time, when right. you feel plugged in. As again, it's like when I gave up drinking, I was sitting out in the backyard, and I thought, well, okay, people talk about a higher power. I'm not a religious person, but I was sitting out in the back, and all of a sudden I just stood up, and I put my hands up, and I thought, and I could touch the sky, and my feet were on the ground. I thought, oh, fuck, I'm plugged in. And I just all of a sudden felt, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this. Wow. I'm not separate. You know? Yeah, I totally
0: know. I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't quote somebody. But Alan, one of my favorite Alan Watts, he says, "You didn't come into this world; you came out of this world." Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fucking it. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's, you're not a stranger here. You yeah. know what I mean? You're you're a part of it. And, and those moments.
2: I think that's the. I think that's the. That, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the problems all of us a lot of people feel is that feeling of separation that feeling of just not not being part of not being right. you know not being part of the fabric. Well you said
0: when you play music you feel useful, which yeah. I thought was a funny word. Yeah. for
2: finding your harmony yeah. in the
0: lawful unfolding of what is, right? Yeah. I think a lot of depression comes from not finding yeah. that place where you can
2: flow, right? Yeah, and it's also it's, there's also something about um, you know, I have a lot. You know, I've had a, a fortunate life. I've been a have a charmed life, and there's something about there's something about feeling like you're, uh, you know, you are being of some service. You know, people come and for two hours. You know, they're sitting there. You know, you want them to leave feeling better when they walked in. Right. And. And more connected And and also that's And it's a selfish thing as well Because you get You get a lot from that also That's not selfish
0: Or if it is I'm the most selfish person ever Because I like to say It's mutually beneficial Yeah When you're connecting You're connected And and there's nothing wrong with that Mm.
1: Mm.
0: I think We see the guitar I'm going to play a few songs (laughs) If it's okay No I'm not going to touch your guitar I went to I penned Gillette the Magician, he had a deck of cards and I touched them and he looked at me like he oh. wanted it. he wasn't a good move. <laughs> don't don't touch I mean, a don't, musician's guitar. I don't have
2: to play it. I just I would love are
0: you kidding me? Yes, yes you do. <clears throat> I mean I'm not telling yeah. you what to play. Overkill's been in my head since you said it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well yeah. Um
0: Oh, Colin, just that. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing. You said when I was up here, you're like, "What am I gonna do?" There's nothing I can do that is that. That's that. <laughs> do 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 do. do, <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, you down to him. What is that?
2: That reminds me of my, you. Remind him of my dad then, because Ooh! which is a good thing. My father used to sing my songs to me because he had a lovely voice. But he would drive me to the airport sometimes to drive me back to when I was going to fly back to the states. And he would sing my songs to me because he thought it would annoy me. <laughs> but I didn't. He would, he would be driving along and he'd go, I can't get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it crude? <laughs> and he go, that's one of yours, you know. And
0: <laughs> my dad calls Judd Apatow Jeff Applebaum.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: "What's you like working with Jeff Applebaum. <laughs>
2: What do you tuned to for this? I was gonna, I was gonna, um, I was going to uh, expl- play a couple of things and just kind of, and in so doing, um, I think it's vaguely interesting because what I've done is, and I was taught this by um, Ron, the other guitar player a minute at work, who you, you're tuning the, you're tuning uh, both the E's down to D, and you get this kind of drone. You asked about the saxophone line. Um, I used to have some land in southern New South Wales with my then girlfriend. that was in the middle of the middle of the bush, and I, I remember writing this song there. And so, so what happens is when you tune these E's down to when you tune the E's down to D, you can kind of get these different kind of drone things happening. So with Who Can It Be now, for example, the saxophone line, which when you when you ended up hearing it, it went dum, dum, ba ba da, ba da, ba, da, ba, da, ba da. But when it was first written, it sounded like this. So which is kind of like a little bit spookier.
0: Yeah, that's like Vincent Price's doorbell. It is, it is. And he
2: goes, who could it be now? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's That's completely correct. It sounds like the incidental music just in like a masterpiece theater. It's just before you go to commercial, you have this. been a fucking hit if so I had to come out like that So yes. a doom, doom. but anyway so that's how it started so it was like who can it be knocking at my door don't go away don't come on here no more can't you see that it's late at night I'm very tired I'm not feeling right all I wish is to be alone stay away Don't you invade my home. Best off if you hang outside. Don't come in. I'll only run and hide. Who can it be now? 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 now? So that's what it sounded like when it first... So um, so it was a hit. It was what, a hit, what it was a hit song. What is the second verse sound
0: like? What is the second what? I said, what is the second verse sound like? Oh, it <laughs> was just me being like...
2: Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it worked. So that, song, so that song worked really well. And, yeah. and in that song, I thought to myself, that's a nice chord because, you know, it's not... It's a pretty chord, but you, you wouldn't get that chord unless you had these two strings tuned down. <laughs> And I thought, well, that was a hit. And what I did was, I went from this chord, from the E, and I went like that. I went down, you know what I mean, down to the D. And when I wrote Overkill, I thought, well, that worked really well. I just won't go as far. I'll just go one fret instead of two. So it went, oh, Lord, that's good as well. Oh. So, so, um, so then for Overkill, this was the same tuning. So instead of going, who can I be in Agnama? I just go. I can't get to sleep. <laughs> I think about the implications of diving in too deep. And possibly the complications, especially at night. I worry over situations I know will be alright. Perhaps it's just imagination. Day after day, it reappears Night after night, my heartbeat shows the fear Ghosts appear and fade away
0: It's got to be. It, does it feel good? Oh, yeah. Does it feel good to be able to just pick up that and just be like, you want to be delighted? <laughs> like, I've, I've interviewed basketball players and stuff, and I'm like, do you ever just slam dunk just to feel just to go. good? <laughs> Have you ever been home alone and just been like, I <laughs> can't <laughs> <laughs> Never. No? No. Never, no. No. I don't think I have. Only for the audience.
2: Yeah, the only time I've done it is think, uh, when I've thought to myself, oh, fuck, what are those words again?
0: <laughs> what about in the shower?
2: You never, ever sing no, your own I never song sing, in the shower? No, I never.
0: That's what I call masturbating. You ever yeah. sing your own song?
2: <laughs> I don't sing. I don't sing at all around the house. Really? No. Well, it's weird.
0: Val has been with me many times. Maybe we've been stoned, and I've been like, Let's watch the Batman videos, (laughs) and those are videos (laughs) I made. (laughs) And I'll be like, "This guy's sense of humor is exactly like (laughs) me. He's so like me." And I forget what I said, so I enjoy it very much.
2: Enjoy it again.
0: Yeah. Well, we were telling you backstage that um, our baby Lila, you're the first, one of the first artists that she ever heard, and that whenever she would cry. We would play your music, and, uh, and so she knows your voice. Yeah. We would play her for uh, you, her, for her, in the womb.
2: I get, I get that. That's a lovely thing that happens. I get a lot of parents who say that they can put on my music. I don't know whether this is, you know, I take, I take it as a compliment. Yeah. Because they, they put on my music when their child is acting up, and then they immediately go to sleep. <laughs> I could see how that's not... But, I mean, you don't want to be no, in a nice. Six
0: Flags commercial. It's nice.
2: Yeah. It's nice. And they're in the back seat, and all of a sudden they go, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it is. The song, uh, I Just Don't Think I'll Ever Get Over You, Right. is the one that... And I yes. told you backstage that I would sing it to her, but it, it gets a little...
2: It's a bit sad. It's a bit sad. It's a bit sad. Yeah. Yes. And um, It sounds
0: like my baby's going to, like, move to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That would be sad. <laughs> and I'll just be like, "Oh, remember this uh, was our song." But uh, do you want to hear about that one?
2: I would love to hear about well, that. Well, that's why I don't know. But this is interesting too because it's um oh. this is called a dadgad tuning, which is a D. You tune this, you tune this uh, string to a D, and then this one, this is a B string, goes down to an A, and this is G, which you st- keeps stays the same. D and then um, you ch- this is this oh, A says to G and yeah, Thursday.
0: Uh,
2: I mean, it's funny because it was risky. Hey, you took the shot and it really
0: worked. No, it worked. It worked. worked. Weird, yeah. They loved it. Old loved it. one out of three homes.
2: <laughs> Were you ever um? Were you ever Peter Holmes? So you've always been Pete? Some people call me Peter. Um, it's got a certain gravity to it. I know.
0: It? Well, Peter Benedict Holmes. Oh, fuck. Lord. Don't fuck with me, fella.
2: <laughs> but then I that, remember. That, 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 that really puts you firmly, squarely on the, on the earth. You know, yeah, like
0: except Peter Benedict Holmes.
2: Pete Holmes is like you're just wandering around with your fucking head in the clouds. Absolutely. Pete Holmes is like,
0: hey, fella. Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah. We know! Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being in third grade and we were in sex ed, like our, maybe third or fourth, whenever sex ed starts. Sex
2: ed, uh, you had sex ed. We never had sex ed. No sex ed? No sex ed. No sex ed it, in that sounds
0: like a setup to a joke. Like sex ed in Scotland was just. No, wrong.
2: it was, not, was
0: getting, getting stoned with a goat. <laughs> They we were, have
2: it? No, we never had
0: They wanted to get it out of the way, and yeah. they were like, just say all the slangs you know. And the teacher had a book, and we were like, pussy! Oh. And they were like, good. They were like, it's That's okay. a good oh, They were good. like, get it out. Dick! Wanger! Nards! Balls! All of it. Count. Yeah? The, the, one, the one kid. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you, Tyler! Keep an eye out for the kid that yelled cunt. That's an that's, that's old adage. But at the end, after we got them all out of the way, I remember it vividly. She went, Okay, yep, that's all of them, and closed the book. That's all of them. And I knew that Peter was a slang for Dick. And I looked, the class left, and I looked in the book. Lo and behold, it was on the list.
2: It was on the she list. She spared me. She did. Yeah. is that yeah.
0: That's, and we give him $1,100 a year? a <laughs> raise for that alone. Yeah. I can, I can But uh, that, that really made a difference for old Peter. Yeah. But you know what it was, is I realized, once I found out you could change your name, like yeah. even
2: slightly. Yeah.
0: So you, I, we were talking about how you were ambitious. I was like, oh, I wanted agency. You know what I mean? I wanted to be like, Peter? It's Pete now. You know what I mean?
2: yeah.
0: I just wanted to affect the world. Right. And I was like, oh, I can just say, drop the R, baby. Yeah. (laughs) That's all it was. If they named me Pete, I would have been like, call me Peter. Because I just wanted to... You wanted something different. I wanted to put my dick in something. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, my Peter. (laughs) Not your Pete. Not my Pete. Pete is what you call it if you lose your erection. That's (laughs) right. You can't put
2: your feet
0: in anything.
2: Yeah, nobody wants a Pete put in them. <laughs> That's my favourite bit of the whole night. Oh,
0: thank you. I feel like I've you learned... Can't your
2: feet you everything. can't put your feet in anything. You uh, can't
0: put
2: your feet in anything. Um, I had a, When I left the band, uh, my, my, I made one record called Looking for Jack, which was um, which was about Los Angeles. And... um. Uh, and I, it came out as Colin James Hay, Colin which was Hay? really fucking stupid. <laughs> but it was—it's my name, right? You know. But people, uh, but before that I was known as Colin Hay, and people said, what do you've got the fucking James in there?" for, Yeah. Right? You know, it was just like it was like oh you're fucking tosser, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So it became that—that that was that. It was a—it was a—it was wasn't a bad record, you know. But it was a. It Whose was, idea um, was that? Scheme? Mine. It was yours. Well, uh, yes, no, no. you wanted
0: to differentiate.
2: I wanted to, yeah. Was there I mean,
0: somebody other like, you should be man at work. I know you had a record called Man at Work. Yeah.
2: For years. Yeah. 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 And yeah. everyone who says that thinks they're the first person. They go, no, hey, I... man at work. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, should, you should go. Yeah, I've yeah, done that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll jump off a bridge later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, looking for Jack record was funny because I, I, I came to Los Angeles. And you know how when you first come here, you think to yourself, where is Los Angeles? You know, you're driving around all these freeways. And you think... <laughs> the fuck is it you are in cold water otherwise. and then you and then you realize that it's just everywhere you know it's just this <laughs> massive place and i want to drive around yeah,
0: no part of la is any more la than no part. you know you don't ever like this is la you it don't ever arrive no, you never arrive you're just always looking you're for just a, on a vacant road like <laughs> la yeah. that's a great that's
2: a great point right and so and and i had this idea for a song uh, looking for looking for, everyone was looking for something. I couldn't figure out what people were looking for, but they were all looking for something. You know, we come here to realize our dreams or whatever it is, and we're driving around, I'm thinking, fucking looking for, looking for, what are people looking for? And I went to this, I was at this concert at the Greek Theatre, and I was, um, this is about 19, this is 1986, my band was done, and I was making this record, and I I was standing at the mixing desk, and I saw Jack Nicholson standing next to me, and I thought, I can't, not take this opportunity to just say hello to jack nicholson and i said oh excuse me mr nicholson my name's colin hey i just want to say i'm a great big fan of yours and he looked at me and he goes "I i can't hear you and i got a bit embarrassed you know and i kind of like oh it's okay so i went i went into the green room and i'm standing there talking to these three of three women beautiful women and um And then the green room door opened and Jack came in and he made a beeline straight for me and he says, I just want to say I am a great big fan of yours too. And I thought, oh, wow. And he just stood there for a minute. We were just standing next to each other. And then he wandered off. And the girl kept talking to me. But I was so blown away by the fact that I just met Jack. I kept on looking over her shoulder and she's talking to me. She's going, what are you doing, Colin? I said, oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just looking for Jack. And she goes, Yeah. Everybody's always looking for Jack. And I thought, thank you very much.
0: Wow. That's incredible. And then later he went to a haunted hotel and had a drink with Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> That's a 42-minute callback. It wasn't going to work, but I had to. <laughs> One person listening to the podcast in the car went, oh. <laughs> That's, that's an L.A. thing. When I'm at an L.A. party, yeah. I try. I play a game where I go, how hard can I lock on the person that I'm talking to? Because you want to go like... I know. And, no. and can you blame them? Val and I were just at a party and Harrison Ford was there. And, you, and I'm supposed to be like, tell me more about Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for Han Solo. <laughs> But also, talk to the person from Kentucky because they're a precious soul as well. Yeah, they are. And Harrison Ford doesn't give a fuck. But Jack Nicholson knew who you were, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. But also, that girl, you really hurt her. I don't think so. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It just felt like I should say something, so I did.
2: Yeah. I like like the pauses. Yeah. You know, but I guess if they're driving along as a podcast, you know, you don't like the pauses. We can do a pause. Okay. (coughs) <coughs> so, <laughs> so um, so this tuning, uh,
0: Baghdad
2: Dadgad, Chris. So <laughs> you have this kind of drone thing happening, which is also kind of its own kind of sadness, where you get this. Yeah. And then you, and then uh, so this song came out of just sitting on the deck and up to Not my deck, someone else's deck, but uh, then just going. You know, Nice George. I drink good coffee every morning. It comes from a place That's far away. But when I'm done, I feel like. Without you here There is less To say I don't want you thinking I'm unhappy But what is closer to If I live Till I was 102 I just don't think I'll ever Get over you I'm no longer moved To drink Strong whiskey I the hand of time, and I knew But if I lived till I could know Longer climb my stairs I just don't think I'll ever get over don't want you thinking that I don't get asked to dinner Cause I'm here to say that I sometimes Even though I may soon feel the touch of love I just don't think I'll ever get over you. Yeah, if I live till I was a hundred and two, I just don't think I'll ever. thing about doing that like that is that it's just it's one mic and you don't have to plug in it's just it's, it's all kind of there it's, it's a nice thing it's a rare thing to get to do that these yeah. days you know. It's very largo yeah. yeah very largo.
0: And very organic it, it, thank you for playing the whole thing it was so beautiful.
2: Well I was going to stop and then I just stopped.
0: I was telecommunicating. You were telepathically. yeah. Telepathically yeah I got it it was coming through loud and clear.
1: Finish <laughs> hey, the fucking song.
0: Don't leave me down, hey. Don't leave me down? Don't leave me down. That's the old standard. (laughs) Don't Don't leave leave me down. down. (laughs) I love their other hit, uh, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Blue Jay singing in the dead of night. I know. Blue Jay... Or others, you don't need me for this I have a joke about the Beatles where I go, some songs seem unfinished where it's like, Desmond has a barrel at the marketplace and they like, yeah, pretty good well, is the same in the band. then they get to the chorus they're like oh, bloody, oh, blah. Da, life goes on la
2: la, la, la we'll
0: write lyrics later
2: I heard him. T- I heard him talking about that the other day on an interview, McCartney. Right? No. Yeah, when he was, we was somewhere, and it was. I think he was in maybe. I, I want to say Jamaica or the Bahamas somewhere, and he would. He was hanging out with the locals, and he say, "How you doing?" And the guy would go, "Yeah, good, good man. Ubladi man, oble da You know, he was. He had this. That's a terrible accent. <laughs> but but, uh, but that's where he got it from. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." I just you know took it on. You know, just walk around going, "Yeah, ubladie, da man." You know, so. Great, you know, life right goes on, you know, so I just thought, oh, right, put it in a song. Really? Wow. Yeah, one of the locals, that was kind of like, yubla dee, Yeah, great. That's like the Nike swoosh story.
0: You know that story?
2: No. <laughs> oh,
0: I'm sorry, is that not in the lexicon? <laughs> the woman drew the Nike swoosh and they took it and they, you know, she made like $7 or something. So he Nike'd somebody. And you looking for Jack somebody. <laughs> That's also what I call masturbating. <laughs> well, we ask a couple, uh, this really flew by for me, um, but we always ask a couple questions at the end. Trick questions? Trick questions. Any songs that didn't age well, Colin? I'm looking for a scandal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Although, did that happen? Have you ever had a song that didn't age well? I have another joke about Bruce Springsteen as that song Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? <laughs> Did he go and leave you all alone? Why am I hearing this at the dentist? <laughs> nobody nobody in the booth was like, Ah, uh, Bruce. Yes. Yeah,
2: it's fucking hey. weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me finish. I wanna fuck some kids. I think I don't think anybody ever said that to, to,
0: to Bruce? Bruce? No, to yeah, they, you can't.
2: Yeah, and you can't tell the
0: Beatles "Obladi" oh, sounds like a placeholder. Yeah,
2: except if, except if you're one of the Beatles, telling, Which, telling the other Beatles, right?
0: Maybe one. Finish
2: wanna... that song, right? You can't have that.
0: But yeah, you don't seem like a fellow that would have a song that didn't age well.
2: Oh uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Let's <laughs> try to think. Of, um...
0: This one's called "The Kid Who Yelled Cunt." <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that would age well. I think that. Be... Yeah, I think that's, that plays better now <laughs> you know than ever. <laughs> that that I only ask that because you asked for a question. I don't really want to know. What I want to know is, uh, you said you weren't a religious fella, and um, I, we always talk about the meaning of life, but without, right. without an agenda. But you seem like a, a soulful person, a connected person. I don't care what symbol system you pledge or don't pledge to. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, do you have any? Thoughts on what's going on here? I mean, here we are, Colin. <laughs> yes. Fucking crazy.
2: Yes, yes. Well, do I have any? Th- well, I think that it's um, I think it's amazing, you know, to, that that we are here, especially when you when you see the planet, you know, from somewhere else. You yeah. Know, you have photographs, and you, there's this blue planet spinning around the sun, and I just think to myself, um, it's extraordinary and it's amazing that uh, that we're here. And we just seem to be uh, so much of the world. So many of the people in the world seem to be unconscious of that very fact, right? And seem intent on still oppressing other people uh, into believing what they believe. And uh, if you don't believe that, well, then you're in danger of being killed, right? You know. So that makes no sense.
0: Um, It becomes about membership and clan and identity, you know, right and 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 wrong. So.
2: I'm I'm glad that I'm alive at this particular time. I I don't really particularly would have chosen to be alive at any other time. I think it's uh, uh, still still probably a quite a safe time to be alive, although you wouldn't think that it is. But compared to you know a thousand or two thousand years ago, when they would be drawing and quartering people in the square on a Sunday for you know for entertainment, right. That, that's probably... It's, it's a lot better now. But as far as, <laughs> as... As far as what happens, you know, you're talking about, you know, the meaning... Finding meanings. I don't really know whether... Um, I don't really... Uh, the question of... Um, I don't know whether there's an answer to that, you know. or think more, more and more things keep getting revealed. You know, I love watching... Um, Astrophysicists talk about that, or whether the science programmes. every time they, every time they they, they reveal something, there's just a, there's another layer. Okay, there's a universe. Maybe it's a multi-universe. Maybe maybe uh, it, didn't, it wasn't actually a big bang. It's just like oh, we bumped into another universe, and that's what caused. Uh, there's hmm. all there's all these kinds of things that. The big uh, bump. I haven't heard yeah, that. but I, I'm kind of <laughs> yeah, big bump. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I'm endlessly, I'm endlessly fascinated uh, by. Um,
0: so you stay in a place of wonder.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I am. I am in a, I am in a constant state of wonder about about the, um, about the world, and I find it. I find that to be very um, not useful or, or humbling, but I tend to be. I, I tend to. Uh, take have great joy in the fact that 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 I'm, you know, part of the immensity of everything, as opposed to. Anything else, you know? Whenever i whenever I get, whenever I get um, annoyed about the fact that maybe, you know, I thought, I think this song should should have been a bigger hit than it was, you know, or something like that. I go, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Like I just,
1: right. Um, you That's know, what look, look, and...
2: look up into the sky from. Yeah. I always love. I always, although I do always love, uh, you know, Peter Cook, uh, who, I, I, I'm not it's not a quote, but famously looking up into the sky and going, oh, it's amazing when I look up into the sky and I see all those stars and I just, I just realise how insignificant they all are.
0: <laughs> that is good. <laughs> That's a comedian laughing. That's good. <laughs> I love um, that.
2: Uh, yeah, I can't remember your question. Now, but No, I, I always get, I always, um, um, it's, everything becomes a cliche, but I'm grateful that I'm alive, you know, and still kind of kicking around, and, and uh, I don't know what happens when you, when you pass away. I think maybe the curtains close. Uh, I'm not really sure. I have a friend uh, uh, who played in my first band. Uh, my first band is called Deep Impression. His name is Peter, lovely man. He's gone now, but um, he had an autoimmune disease for many years, and he was uh, in a coma twice, and he technically died twice, and he came back. And he told me about it, and that was very interesting, you know. And I asked him about it, and he said that, um, that when he died, because he flatlined for quite a while, then came back, but he remembers there was a white light, and he went towards it. And uh, then he made a conscious decision to come back. And I said, why did you come back? And he said, uh, strangely enough, I remembered that I hadn't paid some parking fines. <laughs> really? He said, I wish it was something more grand. He said, but I just know I've got some unfinished business, so I decided not to die that day. And I made a conscious decision to come back. He said, but I really wanted to go to the light. He said, because it felt euphoric and it felt uh, like that's where I, that's where I was going to go. And he said, but the second time it happened, he said, I remember that there was, there was um, a presence and it was a benevolent presence. And it was, um, and I felt very safe, and I wasn't scared of death. Hmm. So that's the only kind of first-hand, you know, knowledge that I have of someone who kind of almost been there. And he died. He died this year. He was a beautiful guy. Uh, in January he died uh, finally, and I uh, did not come back. <laughs> not come back. <laughs> finally he died.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I think they're laughing
2: at Finley. <laughs> I think he would laugh at that, though. I think he would. But well, he was struggling with it for a long time. A long time. Yeah. And so, and so um, I had a conversation with him when I was in Melbourne, when I was touring down there. I was playing down there, and I was, I was on my way. And his wife called me and said, oh, he's, 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 um, he's, uh, he's very ill. So I called him. Very, str- very interesting conversation to have with someone. And you know it's going to be your last conversation. mm and he knew that as well and so it was, a, it was quite a long conversation and then at the end of it he just you know he said goodbye it was it was so i don't mean, even a word for it you know there's nothing and i didn't want to end the conversation right you know. so and he said i'm going to i'm going to go now and uh, wow. he said i'll never he said he said um, i'll never see and he was a he was a beautiful guy when i first arrived in australia he protected me he was my protector was a guy that was trying to bully me, and he—he uh, he was a big guy, so he—he told him to leave me alone. Nobody—nobody nobody messed with me after that. Wow. Yeah, he was lovely. Wow. And we would go for—we would go for—we'd uh, go and play pool, and we'd smoke cigarettes in his his FB Holden, which was a beautiful, like a beautiful two-tone two-tone car. And um, <clears throat> yeah, peter he was gone, and uh, beautiful, beautiful human being. Mm. So um, I don't know. I just I have a sense of uh, I have a sense of um, love for uh, for everything and gratitude.
0: That's mm. beautiful. Hey, you can clap if you. <laughs> that's on you guys I can't
2: clap that would be weird and the idea of of heaven and hell you know I don't you know I'm not I'm not into the whole I'm not into the I mean I haven't I haven't read in total the Bible I mean I hated church when I was growing up I didn't like Sunday school I didn't like the ministry a terrible breath um, but I do have a sense of heaven and hell and I think that I think that really this moment I feel like I'm in heaven because this is heaven it doesn't get any better than this, you know. And there are situations on this earth where hell is going on right now. Someone's being oppressed, someone's being tortured, someone's being killed, someone's been abused. But uh, fortunately that's not happening in this room tonight. But so I believe yeah. in that. And I think this is beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't quote Richard Rohr Rohr once. But he, he had this great quote. Uh, he said, you can be in church and be in hell, and you can have never gone to church and be in heaven. Yeah. Like right now. I believe that. Which I, I, I totally believe that too. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. I, a lot of times that's misconstrued. as mm-hmm. it bec- It's an ego game to think it's all a test. It's all a waiting room for later. Mm-hmm. And when you die, that's when you get the results. The mm-hmm. printout or God scans your brain mm-hmm. for the right thoughts mm-hmm. that you thought uh, you thought about me correctly, you can come in and you didn't think about me correctly. You have the wrong color blazer, so I claim you right. and I kick your ass? You Like, that is not... Again, Richard Orr says that we make a God that's like us instead of the other way around. And the God that I see... So we make a God that's judgmental and scared and petty and vengeful and angry because we're all those things instead of being like the God that I see, which is... Diverse mm-hmm. and feeding and loving and watering and shining on everything because it loves isness. It loves being. It loves you. I, another thing that they love to say that I love to say is like, God doesn't love you. You are God's love. Mm-hmm. This is God's love. This, the isness is that, yes, is another way of saying love. It's yes.
2: Have you ever thought about being a preacher? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Well, that's the whole of my message. We're done.
0: That's not true. I could go for a long time. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Colin, final question. Um.
1: <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I say it wrong. People get mad that I say it wrong. What is the hardest time you've laughed? Is that how I say it? I should say the time you laughed the hardest. But I say, what's the hardest Time you've laughed So hard is modifying time So when were you under A lot of hard times and you laughed No, when did you laugh The hardest in, in your life and, and here's what I like to say Because it's not like an on the spot thing when, when you think of a time When tears were streaming down your face And you were laughing yeah. Where were you, how old were you, who were you with It doesn't have to be like a And I opened the door and there was Ray Romano Like it doesn't have to be one of those
2: well i was uh the time that springs to mind was i was actually leaving the old largo and going home and uh, i was going home with a friend of mine who's a great comedian uh, an english guy who lives in australia his name is bob franklin and um, bob bob's email is um, was uh, jack target at hotmail.com and i said to bob I we're in the car. I'm driving along. And I, says, and I said to him, Bob, how come your email address is jacktarget at hotmail.com? Jet? Ja- Jack. 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 Yeah, Target. Jack. Jack. Yeah, Jack Target. Oh, Jack Target. Yeah, Target at hotmail.com. <laughs> I said, how come your, your email is Target at hotmail.com? He says, well, funny, you should ask that, Colin. And he's very softly spoken. He said, oh, it's... Uh, I was introduced to this American chap, this American bloke, and uh, he said, um, somebody introduced me, and uh, he said, hi, Tom Robbins. <clears throat> and I said, Bob Franklin. He said, Jack Target. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just the way he told it. I was driving and I couldn't fucking breathe. <laughs>
0: Not even close not even close that guy went in thinking that guy looks guy like Jack, at- Target. <laughs> 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 Jack Target <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Jack Target Jack <laughs> Target
0: let's do it you be your friend okay. I'll be the guy
2: Hey, what's your name? Paul Franklin.
0: Jack Target! <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, it's fucking still funny. That <laughs> oh, was good.
1: Yeah.
0: We can't not end with a song. Would you mind playing one more? And, and here's the fun part. The guest says keep it crispy at the end. That's how the show ends. Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. So... I'm just giving this to you. You could play a song, any song, and at the end you could say "Keep it crispy," and that's how we'll end. And if you forget, just look at me, and I'll go Jack Target. <laughs> <laughs> the boy who yelled "cunt." <laughs> it's like at the end you go, and that man was Donald Trump. You <laughs> know.
1: <laughs>
2: A complete cunt. Yeah, there you go. Bob's got got a great gag, actually. My friend Bob Franklin. Uh, Uh, I'm going to email him later. Yeah. (laughs) Jack Target at (laughs) Hotmail.com. What is it? What is the gag? He says, um, forgive me, Bob, for repeating your uh, joke. He says, uh, ego... It's not a dirty word but cunt is
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot
2: <laughs> I like it a lot sorry Bobby oh, what? it's his joke but I mean I credit him so it's okay yeah I think you're okay he's one of my favourite he's so 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 great um, a song um What? I love that one. Well, speaking of sobriety, this is the song I wrote when I was driving across Topanga Canyon. And um, I thought, I better start writing some songs. So I thought, I have to um, do things that are um, rituals, you know, simple things, because... I'd spent so much time drinking, a lot of time on. You have a lot of time on your hands when you stop, you know. So having a cup of tea, don't do it quickly. Take your time, just slow down because everything's okay. Go for a drive, sit, look at the old, all those classic things. But it is true, you know, and it does help, yeah. you know. So that's what this 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 song was. My my my, it's a beautiful world. I like swimming in the sea. I like to go out beyond the white breakers Where a man can still be free Or a woman if you are one I like swimming in the sea My, 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 it's a beautiful world I like drinking Irish tea With a little bit of Lapsang sushong. I like making my own tea My, my, my It's a beautiful world I like driving in my car I roll the top down sometimes I travel quite far Drive to the ocean they're up at the stars I like driving in my car All around is anger Automatic guns There's death in large numbers No respect for women Around little ones Tried talking to Jesus He put me on hold Should have been swamped by calls this week Could not be is cold Still, this emptiness persists Perhaps this is as good as it gets You've given up the drink And those nasty cigarettes Now leave the party early At least with no regrets I watch the sun as it comes up I watch it as it sets Yeah, this is as good as it gets My, my, my It's a beautiful world I like sleeping with Marie She has one sexy girl She's full of mystery She says she doesn't love me Likes my company. For now, that's good enough for me. So my my my, it's a beautiful world. I like swimming in the sea. I like to go out beyond the white breakers, where a man can still be free, or a woman. I like swimming in the sea Always remember To keep it crispy